0: in three, three, now, three, one.
1: Keeping dogs properly and responsibly—that is what we're trying to do. We can't do it anymore.
2: I was so angry listening to him. A hundred euro is all we get basically for our baby. Between
3: the jazz and Christmas, you know, you could slip in a bank holiday in, you know, late November or December.
4: Join the conversation. Call 0818 96. Text 96 96. or WhatsApp 9696. 96 96. Email opinion at ninety six FM.
0: This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. cox 96 FM.
5: Yeah, a lot of people are starting to struggle with the old hay fever as the weather warms up, and it will warm up over the next few days. Alan from Carla Weather was saying last evening, it'll be a treat actually, he said burger bun makers and barbecue suppliers would want to make sure that they're well stocked up the weekend to come. It looks as if we're in for a major improvement in our weather towards the back end of the week and into the weekend, which is lovely, really nice, but it brings hay fever misery for a lot of people. Thankfully, I'm not one of those people. I tend to get hay fever sort of when it's not quite so sunny. I don't know why, um, but I take my meds and thankfully I've been doing all right so far this year. How are you getting... And there's a worrying thing. I hope that when I go to get my hay fever meds, which are over-the-counter stuff, I hope they'll be in the chemist because there wasn't a big list there yesterday morning uh, of a number of different hay fever products that are not available now because of this ongoing shortage. Yeah, different pollens bother different people in different ways. I find as soon as the sun comes out, I'm okay but it's when the weather is dull and and humid there and the sun is trying to break through whatever pollens are around at that state. That's what bothers me most. And, like, grass, I can cut the grass happy as Larry. Other people can't cut their grass at all at this time of year because they're in a bad way after doing it. And before I start getting messages now about no more may, stop. Leave me alone. Leave me alone with your no more may. Okay? Actually speaking of environment and biodiversity and all that, did I hear in the news? Are they finally admitting what we've been screaming at them for the last couple of years? But all this retrofitting stuff, it costs a bleeding fortune, and the grants don't even take the edge off for most people, which is which is cool. It's not cool actually, that's the point, it's not cool at all. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety-six. 96. 96. Uh, also, later this morning, I'll be talking to Michael. Michael took a lot of uh, umbrage at the uh, tweets or Instagram posts, whatever they were, from Matt, the, the Taoiseach's partner, when they were invited to the coronation the week before last. And it's been gathering pace because he's now been sort of made to apologize. Now, I'm going to state this before we even get... I thought his posts were very funny. I thought the thing about the the sorting hat and expecting the crowd to shout out Griff. I thought that was very funny. Now, probably inappropriate, given he was a guest in the crowd and not just watching it on telly. But I did think they were, they were funny. Your thoughts are welcome. And anything else that's on your mind, if there's something we're not talking about that you think we should be, you know where we are. We're at 0818... 96 96 96 Start a conversation Don't just join one Start one If that's what you think you want to do We start this morning though with good news A great friend of the show great friend of mine And one of the most popular performers on Irish radio Will be back behind the desk here at 96 FM In a couple of weeks time He's back on his national radio show from last weekend but he'll be back here in this studio in early June I speak of course of our good friend Gareth O'Callaghan Gareth suffered a very very serious injury in a car crash in early March uh, along Horgan's Quay on a Sunday afternoon he broke his back he broke ribs he punctured his lung and he was in a bad way he is still recovering He's still wearing this brace on his back. Looks like something out of a RoboCop movie, but it's it's helping him to get around and helping him to get back to work and helping him with his recovery. Uh, and as I say, uh, he's well enough now to start going back out the air and he'll be back here in a couple of weeks when I take a day or two off. And he'll also be covering for me in the summertime when I take uh, some holidays. It's good to know you're on the mend, Gareth. Good morning.
6: Good morning to you, PJ. What a joy to talk to you again. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine. I took my first few baby steps unaided with no mechanical devices this morning, which was wonderful, just across the kitchen. So I, I know what it must have felt like when I was 11 months old and I took my first <laughs> few steps. Um, what, what the only happened? thing I suppose about being 11 months of age is that you don't have any fear. I was terrified doing this. <laughs> what happened
5: to you, my friend? A car accident on, Hor- on Horgan's Key. That's all we know.
6: Yeah, I got off the train. And I'd been on the, the 12 midday train that Sunday. Paula collected me and I was looking forward to an afternoon watching the rugby and having a chat and catching up. And I, I remember we came on to Horgan's Quay. There was very heavy traffic because there was a match in Parky Cueve. <laughs> but we went in a hurry and I, I said to Paula, e- Emma uh, was in the back seat and everybody was happy. I said, you know what we're going to do next week, middle of the week? We're going to go to Castletown Bear for a couple of days. Yeah. Bang. And Ooh. that was it whoa bang like i thought what is that and i i um i knew instantly my back was in a very bad way and i could feel i i i I don't know what it was it was an energy like i've never felt in my life before and i remember looking around seconds before the impact because I knew Emma was moving around in the back seat. And I looked around and I said, have you got your seatbelt on? And she had sat forward at that stage to show me that the seatbelt was on and bang. And um, Paula and Emma, I remember saying, get out of the car, be careful, be careful, get out of the car. Because the the car was shunted forward into the car in front and then into the car car in front of that again, all four cars. Um, and people were running around outside and someone opened my door, a man, I don't know who he was, and he said, uh, can you hear me? Are you OK? And he took my hand. I remember he took my hand and he said, can you breathe? And I said, I can't breathe. I I, I, I said, I, I can't move. So at that stage, I could hear Paula shouting to someone, can you ring an ambulance? Can you ring the fire brigade? So I knew it was very bad and I couldn't move. and. Um, i'd never experienced pain like it so i knew at that stage that definitely my back was very badly injured but also my i knew my lung was definitely punctured because i couldn't breathe yeah but i could hear the sirens within minutes i'd never heard so many sirens i could hear them coming from all over the city then i could hear the emergency personnel trying to, you know, get control of the whole situation. And a paramedic kneeled down beside me and he said, my name is Robbie, can you hear me now and just talk to me if you can? And I pointed to my chest and I told him I couldn't talk and the pain was excruciating. So he gave me some pain relief to the arm Mm. and that helped to sedate me. And then I think Paula came over to me. She was very, very upset and I could see by her, she was also injured. But God bless her, she was trying to take control of the whole thing. And I just said, how is Emma? And she said, Emma's okay. She's in the back of one of the ambulances being treated. And um, with that, the fire brigades arrived. And um, the crews from Anglesey Street, just one of the lads reassured me. He said, we're just going to put a blanket over you and we're going to cut the roof off the car. It's the only way we can get you out at this stage. So I remember a gentle rain falling when the roof came off. Yeah. But I'll never forget the sound of the cutters. It was extraordinary, the way the car was, like, vibrating. Yeah. And almost like you would peel off a lid on a sardine tin. The roof yeah. literally lifted off.
5: I, I did a feature, actually, Gareth, years ago for a, a radio show where I sat in and was cut out of a car like that. Yeah. And I often thought to myself, Christ, I don't ever want to do this for real.
6: It must be a terrifying <sighs> no, <it> moment. Was... <sighs> Um, well, I had I had a, I had a it, it was like a fire blanket over, it covered me from head to toe. They sort of tucked it around me to prevent shards of glass and metal and debris getting into my face and into my eyes and hair. Uh, so really it, it, it was pitch black and I was listening to this sort of vibrating in the car and like a screeching noise like I've never heard in my life before as they, they literally cut each corner. Mm. Um, out, out of the roof away and just lifted it. Um, and then they took the blanket off. And then they got a plinth in underneath me and slid me back across what remained of the back of the car and out the out the back, what mm. would have been the back window. Mm. Um, and then got me onto one of the stretchers. And uh, uh, incredible work on behalf of the emergency services, the the the, the, guard, the the paramedics, the firefighters, I can't thank them enough. I think it was Greenwatch were on that day. One of the retired firefighters who's a great friend of mine, he was one of the, the lads there a couple of years back, but he thinks it was Greenwatch. But it was then that I realised when I got out into the open air, we were just surrounded by a sea of ambulances, fire brigades, guard the jeeps guard the motorbikes it's it and that that's when it dawned on me you know the, the what sort of a kind of a calamity the whole thing was it yeah. was just it, it was awful it, it, but i knew once i was on the stretcher i could feel my toes and that was all i wanted to feel i just wanted to know that i could feel i'd still had sensation in my feet yes
5: cuz you and, must have uh, been terrified at that point my back is gone just how badly is it yeah. gone
6: yeah, I think there's there's that belief most people have that when they hear you've broken your back, that's it. What happened with me was that I had damaged the spinal column and I had bruised the nerves. Hmm. Uh, but thanks to modern medicine, no, nerves can grow back where it's not a complete fracture. So by later that night, x-rays had been taken and two of the neurosurgeons visited me I was in the critical decisions Unit at that stage, just alongside a and e mm. and they said to me, "We may have to perform surgery it's a it's it's quite a serious injury on your back mm-hmm. um, I was terrified you know we were trying to make a decision within you know the time that they were standing there yeah. talking to each other and talking to me so as it turns out, thankfully, it was postponed and I'm grateful that it was postponed because I have been recovering naturally since then which is wonderful um a lot of pain relief huge amount of pain relief yeah. um, oxycontin i was on for uh almost 5 weeks yeah. looking back it flew but while i was there it it, it felt like a, a lifetime but yeah I'm 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 very very grateful to the staff. Cuh where I was for the first three weeks, and then the South Infirmary where I was for the last
5: yeah.
6: my last three weeks.
5: You're ten ten weeks since now, or nearly eleven weeks, and yeah. you're still got. Uh, I was joking with you. The Robocop attachment. You're you're in a, you know in a brace.
6: <laughs> yeah, it's called a TLSO. It's um. It's, it's 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 like one of these protective jackets that you see security personnel and, and the gardi wearing. Now, yeah. it's much different, obviously. It's designed for people with spine injuries. So what it is, it, it has these great big steel plates at the back of it and around it. It prevents your back from bending and it prevents your ribs from moving around. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize, but your ribs can move like an accordion. That's mm-hmm. the last thing they want. They couldn't have let me home if, if I hadn't been able to wear this. Yeah. Yeah well you're you're home with a couple
5: of weeks now back we won't say match fit but but
6: performance fit I am and I'm so grateful that you know my voice is still intact my my the lung has recovered yeah uh, there are no uh, there are no delayed injuries there everything has has recovered well and you know, taking advice from everyone, the occupational therapists, from the physiotherapists, from um, Mr. Declan Reedy, who's the spine surgeon in CUH, Mm. an absolutely wonderful guy um, with a very charismatic way about him because I think it's a terrifying situation to find yourself in when you don't know what the future Mm. holds. Mm. And he had a, a fantastic way of reassuring me that it's all part of the recovery process, and um, I was with him again there last Friday, and he's delighted with the the, the progress.
5: You gave us all a fright, you old devil! You
6: <laughs> I gave myself a fright. I gave my poor wife an awful fright. But when we hear about these types of accidents on the news, there or on your show. We tend to say, oh, thank God, I hope everyone's going to be to be okay. that no one was killed, no one died, Mm. that hopefully people will be able to regain full health again. But when suddenly there's a bang and your life is literally put on hold, Mm. uh, it is the most terrifying moment I, I have ever experienced in my life. It really, really is those of us
5: who do this job and are lucky enough to do it, Gareth, we're formed as professionals by the lives we've lived. When you come back here in June, every experience gives you something more to bring to what we do, doesn't it?
6: That's a brilliant way of putting it. You're absolutely right. I was asked recently by a good friend of mine. He's a psychologist and uh, I've needed him. Uh, I think we've all needed the help of 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 the psychologists and the counselors over the last few weeks but he said to me on a personal level what have you learned from this experience Mm. which is interesting because I never I, I never gave it much thought and he said don't don't tell me the answer now think about it and tell me next week because we've all had to do a little bit of counseling unsurprisingly because the trauma was horrendous it still is to a degree but i came back to him and i said to him do you know something one thing i've learned about is we put off we postpone our happiness for retirement we postpone looking for it often until it's too late yeah because we don't get back that time and That's one thing I remind myself when I wake up and I'm in pain or when I can't sleep at night because there were a couple of internal issues as well. And you're sitting there in the bathroom and you're miserable for an hour and a half at three o'clock in the morning. One thing I say to myself is I am happy that I'm alive. I'm so relieved that I'm getting better. And look at all I have ahead of me, which is something I never really focused on before. Hmm. you know even sitting here now earlier this morning like you having your cup of tea I was up about 8 o'clock it was a beautiful morning and Saturday when we got up we were up about 5 and we were on the road heading up past the Galti Mountains and the Sleeve Blooms and the sun was beautiful it just the morning was it was a perfect summer's Hmm. morning and these are things we don't we don't take into our lives enough look at that beautiful blanket of fog there look at look at the mountains yeah Look at that sunrise. They're the moments that we have forgotten about. Certainly I had, and um, I cherish them now more than ever. Take joy from, from tiny things.
5: Gareth, yeah. we we'll look forward to having you back in studio uh, the June weekend. Take care, my friend, and give my love to Paula and to everybody else.
6: Thank you so much. by the way, PJ, before you go, congratulations on the thousands of new listeners you have. It's I want to congratulate you. I know I said it. I texted you over the weekend, but I want everyone to know that I'm so proud of you and for and Emer and Fergal and the team. I think it's just amazing. I mean, when when you know you know yourself when you've been doing your job for years and years, and somebody turns around and says you've thousands of brand new listeners for the first time, that's an amazing achievement. So you enjoy that moment and uh, congratulations.
5: Thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Talk to you soon. Cheers, fella. Cheers, Gareth. Thanks. A true gentleman, says Ed. He is that. Great to hear, Gareth, on the wireless. Best wishes to him and the girls. Could you ask, what was Finn's reaction to seeing him? From another Finn. Finn is little dog. Oh, I imagine little Finn was only too delighted to see his, his daddy home. Oh, wait one 96, 96, Gareth back here at the, uh, the June weekend all going, "Well, you know, I always take a couple of days on the June weekend. Don't start." Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. We are having fun this week with the Biggest 90s and naughties disco. It's on at the INAC Clarny Saturday, May the twenty-seventh, night of nineteen nineties and naughties, with some of the artists who are there as well. Ma Five will be there. Mark McCabe will be there. Loads more besides. It'll be a big, big night tickets available at biggestdisco.com But opportunity for you and three of your friends to go along. Courtesy of Cork's 96FM To this gig in the INEC on Saturday week What tune is this? I think I was the first DJ in Cork to actually play this Because I brought it back from my honeymoon In 1994
7: It's
5: a mega hit Mega hit from the nineties. So what is this? Yeah, it is backwards. We're playing them backwards. So tell me what that is. Who are they and what is the song? O eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. And we we'll give you another blast off it. During the morning.
4: Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp oh eight three three ninety six ninety six
0: ninety six. This is the opinion line with PJ Kugan. March ninety six.
5: M- I think we have an accident on the Kinsale Roundabout. Trina.
4: Morning, guys. Hope you're well. Um, Just to let you know, there's an accident on the Kinsale Road Roundabout between a large truck and a car. Um, So I'd say there'll be a few tailbacks um, just to let people be aware of that Uh, because it literally just happened a few moments ago, um, but it will impact, I'd say, the morning uh, just to let people know. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye.
5: Trina, thank you. And you think having chatted with Gareth, your your first hope is that nobody's hurt um, in, in that. Thank you, Trina. 0818 96, 96, 96 or if you want to share anything with us by voice message 083 396 96 96 It's a decision that More and more people are coming to, for various reasons of their own. I read an article in one of the newspapers at the weekend where a woman had said she decided not to have any children because she didn't want to bring them into this world with the climate changing the way that it is. People have many, many reasons now for not having children. And it's a decision that some people are half afraid to make. It's never made much sense to me. If you don't want to have children, you don't want to have children. And, and that's your call entirely. And I back you 100%. Kim Kenny, who is a psychotherapist, did a podcast a few years ago called Our Kids for Me, when she spoke about that decision. And at the time, she said she'd loads of support if she had decided to have kids. But what seemed to bother her at the time was there was very little support for her decision not to have them. That was three years on. She went through it. Uh, She decided, no, I just don't want to have children, and that is that, and that is my decision. Read another story uh, in the papers, too. I think we featured it here on the program one morning, the number of people who, if they had, had their time over again, possibly would not have children. Not that they don't love their kids, not that they would want to give them back under any circumstances, but that maybe time around, because of the circumstances of life, they might not uh, have, have had children. There's a fair percentage of those. But the number of people who are deciding now, I don't want children and I need you to be okay with that decision. That, that, that number is rising. Uh, Kim, uh, good morning to you.
8: Good morning. Thanks for having me, PJ. Um, yes, absolutely. There, You know, it's something that's on the rise. And, you know, again, when I was younger, it was, you know, don't want kids. It's not something, you know, I really thought about much. And as I kind of got into my teens and my 20s, it's, you know, do I have to have kids? You know, so it kind of gave me the encouragement to go in question actually, you know, what do I want in my life? What do I want to do? So, yeah, I think that's something that is more common today. I mean, I suppose it was 20 years ago when I felt like that. And I definitely think it's more common now today.
5: I was just coming to that. At what point in your life did you recognize, no, children are not for me and I'm okay with that?
8: I think it was it was always there always there from a, a very young age, you know, people would say, oh, when you grow up, you know, you get married and have kids. And I was like, no, no, kids aren't for me. And, you know, you'd hear people say, no, you'll change your mind when you're older. But as I got older and I definitely kind of in my late 20s, early 30s, when you see your friends getting married and people having kids, it's like, God, no, this actually isn't for me, you know. And do you really kind of, you know, want to be sure that you're sure it's not for you? in a sense. And that that's the way it was for me at the time. It was like, I need to be sure. And, you know, again, it came off contraception, we discussed things with my husband and, you know, it was, no, I knew then that this isn't for me. This isn't a, a lifestyle choice, that that was kind of in my early thirties.
5: Did you consider it at one point and change your mind then?
8: I, I kind of, I did in a way I actually did because I wanted to be a hundred percent sure that it wasn't for me. And you know now I put the cards on the table with my husband at the very beginning when we started going out so he knew where I stood but um, yeah I did I came off contraception and we said okay we'll see what happens and that is when it really kicked in for me no this is not what I want I didn't enjoy sex it was the thought okay I might get pregnant and I know this isn't for me so that really pushed me to the point of going okay
5: no and how did your husband feel about all of this
8: um, he was very supportive, I must say. Um, now, at the start, he kind of was under the assumption hey, "I just get married and have kids and that's it. And, you know, there's no second thought about it. But when I laid the cards on the table at the very beginning, he was very supportive and said, OK, that's no problem. Um, and even when we were kind of thinking about it at the time when I came off contraception, he was like, whatever your choice. And I was, you know, I was really happy with that, to be fair. You know, I mean, I did say to him, look, if this is something that you really really want and i don't then we'll have to talk and maybe you know i I, I don't want him to resent me yeah. down the line if you know he really did want kids and, and i didn't so i was happy to walk away and leave him choose a different path in life if that's what he really wanted which isn't an easy decision to come to
5: this is a question that i'm sure you've been asked and probably thought about and it's a very simple question why don't you want children
8: why don't i um There's no one particular reason, you know, I never felt that maternal draw to have kids that want that. Oh, my God, when I look at babies, I'm broody. I never felt that.
9: Mm -hmm.
8: And at at one point in my life, I was thinking, God, is there something wrong with me that I don't feel this way? You know, and again, it kind of encouraged a bit more reflection on myself, what's going on for me. And it's okay to not have that feeling. Mm. I can't make something inside me, that's not there. I can't cultivate this feeling. It's fake to me. So I had to be true to myself. I don't feel it. It's not there.
5: Did you feel sometimes that society expected you to have children?
8: Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially after I got married, you know, there's the expectation, you know, when's the baby due? Any pitter patter, any news, this kind of thing. Absolutely. And it was. it's more so towards the woman at times, and that is the man. Not many people would ask my husband that, but certainly for me, yeah, absolutely. Is
5: it women would ask you that question more than men?
8: A mixture, but de- yeah, I'd say more more women. Yes, yeah. definitely more women, but you could get some men asked. Yeah, absolutely.
5: Do you like children, other people's children?
8: I do, absolutely. Um, And that is an assumption that, oh, you know, you don't have kids, you don't like them, or, you know, and absolutely, you know, kids are lovely. They're really... Beautiful human beings, you know. And I suppose one thing I always say to myself when I'm in the company of children, be as kind as you can to them. They're innocent, you know. They're growing in, up in, in in a world that is far more complicated nowadays than what it was 20, 30 years ago. You know. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I do like kids.
5: I read a piece last week, in fact, where someone had said that they're not going to have children because of the world that's around us. Hmm. Climate change, the environment, being one of their main concerns. But mm-hmm. They weren't having children for that precise reason, because this was a world they didn't want to bring children into.
8: And I could understand that. I mean, it, it is a very different world. I, I, I don't know. And again, maybe I'm just getting long in the, in the tooth, I suppose. But, you know, the simplicity isn't there mm. from when I was a child. You know, it's, it's a different world. It, two people are working. The, the financial side of it. you know, child minding factors, again, environmental factors and things. And it's not as easy. It's just not as easy for people, you know, and I completely understand why people choose not to.
5: I became a dad in my early thirties and up mm. to that time, I would have been ambivalent about having children. Now I look mm-hmm. at them and I think, why did I ever even think that? Mm-hmm. That's, not un- that's not uncommon, I suspect.
9: No,
8: not at all. I actually have friends and we- we've had this discussion with friends actually and a-, a male friend had said at that point that, you know, he was a bit indifferent Um, But now that he has two beautiful girls, God, he wouldn't give them back in the morning, you know. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's quite common.
5: You're at a point in your life where this is acceptance for you and and it is what it is. There are probably Mm. people struggling with those thoughts and they feel uncomfortable with them because, again, this societal pressure, particularly once you're married, to have children. What Mm -hmm. would you say to those people if they're listening now?
8: I would say, you know, have a talk with your partner. Communicate, you know, be open and honest about your feelings. If that is difficult or, you know, you feel your partner may not understand, maybe talk to a professional in a safe, non-judgmental space. Hmm. You know, it it isn't easy. But also I'd say, you know, ask yourself, do I want children? Why do I want children? Hmm. Am I having them for me or am I having them for somebody else?
5: That's the question, isn't it? If I want them for hmm. me or I want them for the world.
8: Absolutely. You know, and there's many reasons why people do and don't, and I support anybody in their decision. Hmm. It's really looking within, why why do I want children and do I want them for me? Hmm.
5: And if you don't, you don't. And everybody, not just you, has to be okay with that. You work as a a psychotherapist now, and I'm sure you meet people in this dilemma in their lives.
8: Yes, and it it isn't an easy decision to come to, you know, because, I mean, people fear... The judgment of society as well what will other people think Mm. you know there's the stigma a little bit around you know people who don't have children are you selfish are you materialistic or you know you just caught up in career and 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 sometimes it's as simple as i actually just don't want this for me Mm. there's a lot of um fears of judgment and if i make this decision then what what will i do with my life Mm.
5: and there is a lot of judgment out there how does one deal with it
8: well, you know, we can't control how other people think, and we can't control what they say. So, I suppose their judgments are their own. Um, the main thing is to be true to yourself, I think. And, you know, when you are true to yourself, you you, you do kind of accept where you are in your life, mm. you know, and accept that this is a choice I've made for me. And, you know, I I can't, you know, we can't. People will have their opinions.
0: You don't owe the world children,
5: do you?
8: No, no, you don't. One thing, you know, I've heard people say it's selfish to not have children. I beg the question, what is selfish about choosing to not have something for yourself?
5: That's a good way to finish. Kim, thank you very much.
8: You're very welcome. Thanks, PJ.
5: Delighted to have you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) that's a stupid thing, isn't it, to think that, oh, you must have children. I'm totally on Kim's side here. If you, if you decide you don't want to have children, then you don't want to have children. And once your partner, the person with whom you might have those children, if you wanted to have those, once that person's okay with it, then nobody else actually matters. Nobody matters a damn. Um, reminds me of an old story of a, a newly married woman whose mother-in-law was constantly coming up at christenings and saying to her, ah, you'll be next now. There was a lot of christenings. And every time the mother-in-law would meet this young wife, not my wife, by the way, not even go there, they would say, ah, you'll be next now, you know, at a christening, you'll be next now, it'd be lovely, you'll be next now. She got her revenge because there was a funeral. They were all standing around the graveside as the coffin was lowered down. (laughs) Wife leaned over and whispered into the mother-in-law's ear, (laughs) You'll be next now. Thank you for your loyalty We
7: actually bought a radio just to listen to you Because there was no music Your
0: heartfelt honesty I want to thank yourselves without you backing us Putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is And it wouldn't have gone anywhere And your absolute comedy
10: What are you looking forward to for the
7: summer? it up to a bit of a whale watching up around the north side or something
9: Whale watching up the north side? I'll be shot, left.
0: Radio ratings are out, and we want to say a massive thank you for listening.
4: 231,000 people listen to Quarks 96 FM and C103 every week.
0: Source JNLR Ipsos MRPI 2023 1. I have to pray to. i going I have to pray to. Thank you so much, everyone at
11: 86. Thank you, I have to pray to. A massive
0: thank you for listening to Quartz 96 FM. Hashtag choose
5: radio. Some interesting comments coming in on Kim and her decision not to have children, a decision with which she is completely happy and settled. And we will podcast that conversation again later. But your thoughts on it are welcome at 0818969696. Back in uh, April. There was a big story out of Toker when that lovely Centra shop down there near the old hotel and the church, White's Centra, they had to close after a fire broke out and very, very nasty, did awful damage to the building. And we didn't know at the time how long they'd be closed for. We now learn that they will hopefully open for the June Bank Holiday weekend. Kieran White, good morning.
12: Good morning, PJ, and good morning to your listeners. Lovely morning out here in Toker.
5: It's a gorgeous morning across the city and great news that you'll be open again. The damage to the store, Kieran, was significant.
12: Yes, Yes, there was um, significant damage. Um, It occurred on the morning of the 2nd of April. Uh, I remember being alerted uh, about three in the morning and I was coming over the road and I said, I hope this is an April Fool's prank. But anyway, when I saw the the blue lights flashing and the fire brigade and the car park um it was rather grim uh, I can tell you yeah. um and uh, you know their initial shock and whatever else it was but there was significant um damage done in about twenty odd minutes mm. after the fire broke out it's um, a bi- it's a big store here where did it start yeah, it's, a, it's it started um it started at the front of the store uh, in the just on, on the area where it came in in the area where the coffee machine mm. was if people would remember it. I do, that. I do it wasn't, remember that. Wasn't, that wasn't the, yeah, that wasn't the reason, that wasn't where it started but in that area and uh, it, around that particular part of the store there was some significant uh, fire damage, heat damage but I can tell you uh, the, the, the smoke damage and the soot mm. that was everywhere, everywhere that you could think of and um, but uh, we were very fortunate in one sense, in so much as that the uh, there was no structural damage done to the store. So the steel uprights were okay and the building was okay. So really, it was a matter of of cleaning everything out and stripping it back to the bare walls and uh, and starting all over again. You, you know,
5: literally, you literally went back to the plaster.
12: We went back to the bare block. We wow. went back under the plaster. Right it was it, So everything, everything, everything was. Uh, thrown out basically and um, the, all the equipment was compromised and um, the suppliers looked at it uh, refrigeration etc uh, ovens etc and they said look we just can't stand over it going forward you know there was smoke and soot would have gone into the into the workings of all that machinery and um, it had to be written off. Would you believe we got two new fridges at, in January? We got a new fridge for our fruit and veg area and we got a new fridge for our, our dairy products mm. and um, they ended up in the skip, oh, which is a shame. You know, It was a shame, yeah. but it was, it, it, that ultimately it was the right thing to do because, you know, we have to make sure that uh, the equipment that we use uh, etc. going forward is is safe and, uh, you know, it's a safe environment for, for uh, our customers and the community to come into. Equally so, we had to rewire the whole building. So. Oh. So the first couple of weeks um uh, it was it was everything was being dumped and uh, you may have seen I'm not sure I know a lot of people did see it uh, to be fair like the girls here uh, in the store started doing kind of our online story and they were posting it every week and it got some great followers. I saw some um, yeah 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 so, so it was great and like it, we were very fortunate that we were able to hold on to all of the staff, and to be fair to them, they're absolutely fantastic. Nearly really? forty
5: people—they wouldn't have thought it.
12: Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, you don't—you know—it's—it's the—it's it's the supermarket here in Toker, and. um uh, you know, we're open, we're open 110, 112 hours a week, and that means three different kind of shifts, you know. Mm. And uh, so, uh, so we're, you know, we're delighted, we're delighted uh, to, to be able to look after that many people. And uh, to be fair to them, uh, the, the majority of them are from the Toker area. And um, look, it's a fabulous community. And mm. it's, it's, the, it's the community store in one
5: sense. They uh, mocked know, in was, with the cleaning out, didn't they?
12: Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And they just tore into it. And uh, put on the boiler suits and I can tell you we filled umteen skips, umteen umpte, skips. No, it was a shame to see some of the food and whatever has been thrown out, but, you know, it's compromised and, and sadly uh, it, it ended up in the dump, you know. So, yeah, yeah. But there you go, there you
5: go. What a year so for it to fun. happen when you say, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have noticed this, 20 years you'd be there.
12: Uh, 20 yeah wow. time flies doesn't it yeah 20 years so but about 20 20 20 great years and it's got, you know it's always been good fun as well and there's a great atmosphere around the place and um you know the, the gang that work here the lot of them are here a long time and uh you know that's testing me for in itself you know we're a good family here in centre and Toker.
5: what stage are you at now so you're hoping to be ready for the june weekend like that's only what that's only two weeks away
12: That's all. Um, Right now uh, on site we have toilers, we have painters, we have the guys from Cross Refrigeration, we have people from Storfit um, or neighbours around the corner on Sarsby Road. We have um, fellas putting down bricks. Everything's happening at the moment. It's a hive of activity. Um, And once we get all the backs you know the the things you don't see like the wiring et cetera it's going to be shop fitting uh, next week uh, we'll fingers crossed get the electricity turned on again mm-hmm. and then it'll be then it'll be re- restocking and um testing the equipment then and and we should we should get it open for thursday friday coming into the june weekend um that's our aim uh, we have to have a, a kind of a target date and that's the one we set yeah. and to be fair everybody's rowing together i'd really like to thank the the um the, the, the all the people that, that that are in here doing the work it's absolutely fantastic and i just would really like to thank um the people of um talker for the well wishes that they gave us mm-hmm. it was it was overwhelming to be honest with you pj um, we got we got we got cards from people all the kids down school sent us cards every class signed the card and sent it up to us mm, I lovely had, um I, I had people said you know sending in mass bouquets another lady gave us miraculous medals and you know it was really really heartfelt and you know it was amazing how you know i suppose how well we were got with some people yeah. and oh. it was very very humbling I well if say. you
5: give 20 years to a community brian that community will give you back in spades you've done just that you've done just that
12: yeah, but yeah, look, we we we'll, we we'll do it, and we we'll, we we'll, we're looking forward to reopening again in a couple of weeks' time, and um and uh, you know we'll have a bright brand new 2023 version of Central and Talker, and look, it'll be like it'll be like a showroom for Central stores around the country. I would
5: think. Who, who, I, who Will you will we'll cut the tape? Oh, most of them.
12: <laughs> no, no, I, no, listen to me, I don't know who'll cut the tape, but I, someone asked me that last week and I said, you know what, no, there's no point, there's no point getting the celebrities down here. The heroes around here at the moment are the staff and if we cut the tape, it'll be the staff can get a big scissors and cut the tape and we'll open a bottle of bubbles and we'll have a bit of crack because that's what it's all about.
5: Well, you know what, I'm delighted to see it coming back uh, because it's a great shop and I know a lot of people around there who use it as their grocery store. They don't they don't go are. anywhere else, Kieran, Congratulations. That's good. That's good. Good I'm to see you is. open again. Uh, PJ, thank you very much indeed. Take, take care. That's uh, from White's Centre in Toker It's uh, been there for a long time. I remember going in and out to the hotel years ago, doing gigs and stuff like that. And that centre was always there. Uh, always there. 0818 96 96 96. Hi PJ, I totally understand that woman who doesn't want children. I wish people wouldn't judge me when I tell them I don't want a dog or a cat. People think I'm weird, uh, that I don't have any affinity for animals. Yes, I'm judged, but I do like children. Everyone is different, and that's from Anne. Yeah, I see your point, Anne. Join the
4: conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
5: This
0: is The Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 M- the minds are live Hello.
4: Join the conversation Call 0818 96, 96, 96. Text or
0: WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
4: Email opinion at 96fm.ie This
0: is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Watch
5: 96 FM Still heavy traffic uh, Backed up when you turn off the Southlink road heading to the Consale road roundabout and all the roads are leading to the roundabout are all backed up towards Tremor Valley Park as well that's after that accident that uh, Trina contacted us about uh, just after half nine there hopefully once again hopefully nobody injured in, in that incident which we think was between a car and a truck on the Magic Road 0818 96 0818969696. 96. I'm listening to Kieran White on the show. I'd like to wish him all the best with the reopening of the store. I worked with him in Musgraves. He's a gentleman. That's from Mary Horgan. Great to hear Kieran used to work for him years ago. It was a great place to work, a real community store. And that's from Live and a Lot of Love in the room for Kieran and his crew down there at the centre in Toker. Reopening, in case you've missed it, reopening hopefully in time for the June weekend. On children, speaking with Kim in the past hour, who decided a number of years ago she just didn't want to have children. She even, at one point, came off her contraception to see, well, do I actually really want children? And she found she was so afraid of having the children, she didn't enjoy sex anymore. That's how seriously she did not want children children her view is well we as a society need to be okay with it if someone says I don't want children and we need not to question them not to try to say "Ah, I'll be grand as soon as you have a child you'll change your mind, she just doesn't want children and there's a lot of people out there like her and I personally 100% support her and I think if you don't want children, don't have children and don't let anybody force you to have a children, have a child. That hope twice. And don't, whatever you do, don't be talked into it if, if you don't want it. Have a chat with your partner. Once your partner is okay, then everybody else needs to be okay too. Kev then says, I don't think true love really exists until you have a child. It's a different type of love. I'd never go back to not having a child, even if it meant I'd become one of the elites of the world. <laughs> yeah, well, as I said there, when I was talking to, to Kim, I was completely ambivalent about children until I had him. Um, I became a dad in my, in my 30s and yeah, it does, it changes you. But if you don't want them, you don't want them. I think it's selfish to have children if you don't want them They're hard work You need to put your time and energy into them I know people who are not maternal And their world revolves around them Then they had kids Their kids are second class citizens And the only purpose they serve Is to bring in welfare payments And look after younger kids And the mom when they're older I'm far from judging women Who decide not to have children But feel a certain sadness that they won't I experienced that part of life It's absolutely a free choice But I met someone Who was very against the idea when it happened All the instinct and love kicked in And they can't imagine their life Without that little human now Go figure Why would it be anybody else's business? I mean if people step back And listen to themselves Telling people to take on A huge responsibility For somebody else's life Would they realise how stupid They sound? That's a support for Kim I think There's another one. Why have we dropped calling people little person or little boy or little girl? Why have we stopped doing that? Why are we using this little human? Why do we... It's just, this is one of my bugbears. Give me 10 seconds. Get it off me chest. Why do we stop saying that, oh, he's a lovely man or she's a lovely woman? When do we start using this, oh, what a wonderful human? Nonsense. Sorry, it is nonsense. Uh, I suppose it's the way of the world now. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yes, that was in support of her. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's nobody's business but hers. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now to other matters. There was a queue. My my daughter passed it, and she sent me a picture of it. Said, Dad, look at that. And this was a queue outside the Shine or Sheen." stop shop it's closed again now it was just a pop-up shop for a couple of days but it opened in Cork at the weekend Uh, big Chinese based online shopping brand huge brand huge international online shopping brand from China from Guangzhou and they are opening pop-ups around the world now and there were throngs of young women queued starting at 4 a.m. For the pop-up shop in Cork at the weekend, and some of them, if you were to read the papers, some of them came away with very little. One comment was just, "I saw nothing in there; I wouldn't get in pennies." But I think Suzanne Harrington, you—you're writing about this in the Examiner. You were disappointed to see the length of the queue. You don't see why anyone would go to that shop. Good morning. Hi,
13: um, PJ. Yeah, it was. It, it's a shocker. Not the queue because people. It's not fair to 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 talk about the the people who are queuing up, really, because it's like kind of you put a load of sweets on the table, then expect people to not eat them. But what's Sheehan is probably one of the worst brands in the world in terms of first sustainability and also. Um, how workers are treated is sort of sweatshop based and their garments are cheap and dis- they're so disposable that they, rather than return, when you do it, you know, when you order something and it doesn't fit and you return it, they just put their stuff to landfill because it's cheaper to do it that way. They are the least ethical and the most. And you important. can stand over all
5: these claims, for
13: Oh yeah, I mean it's facts. So just mm. it's it's it, there. It's this isn't me saying it. This is just a you know. There's a there's a um, online sort of um, oh god, it's called good good on you, which yeah. is a a website which assesses. Uh, the, yeah, it's it's common knowledge. Okay. What's okay. really shocking isn't that young people queue up for cheap clothes. What's really shocking is that Simon Coveney and the government are photographed cutting the ribbon, welcoming Sheehan to Ireland, to HQ in Dublin. That is like saying, yeah, come on in with your environmentally disastrous, unsustainable, toxic brand Mm. That uses sweatshop labor and all sorts of animal abuse, and mm. and and welcome, come to Ireland. We love you. You know that's that's the thing that's just gobsmacking that, that, that we're looking, yeah. that we're 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 welcoming that in.
5: Come back to the queue though, okay? And I know you say you don't blame people for queuing up, and like you said, if you put sweets on display, you can only blame people if you can't blame people if they're going to eat them. The one yeah. pushback against that, Suzanne, is. That the young people in that queue are part of a generation which is more, you would be told anyway, more environmentally aware, more concerned about the climate, more concerned about biodiversity and the future than any that came before it. And yet, here they are queuing up for these clothes. Yes.
13: Yeah, of course. Generation Greta, you know, of course, the generation coming up now are are the ones who are going to be most impacted by climate disaster. We'll all be dead and gone, you know, but they won't. And yes, we've got, you know, that's the kind of it's not fair to expect young people to take on the full responsibility of the, you know, they they will form the queue. If you know the thing of if 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 you build it, they will come. And mm. so then you. have... You're to,
5: you blaming know, like, the society, and if you want the government for allowing Sheehan to open a store.
13: Yes, it's- yes, of course, because it's not. It, it shouldn't be up to the to to a fourteen-year-old child. I mean, my my niece Sarah, who's thirteen, she was keen to go. Zara, if you're listening, go. Don't do it. But. You know, it's it's not fair to put the responsibility of those kind of choices on, you know, young people when really it's the Irish government or whatever government, any government, which is allowing you know, it it's 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 it, it should be stopped before it's ever gets to a pop up shop in Cork with a queue at four AM. It shouldn't it shouldn't be happening full stop. But Suzanne, a- there
5: isn't really much point in stopping it. Because if you stop the pop-up. They'll just go online anyway. At least you get a bit of ground rent for the pop-up shop.
13: Yeah, that's not really the point, though, is it? It's kind of bigger than that. They'll
5: get it's, it online bigger... anyway. Pardon? They'll get it online,
13: online anyway. Yeah. yeah, it's the... So, in in that sense, consumers do have a choice to avoid Shein, but then it's not just Shein. They're probably the worst, but all fast fashion. All fast fashion. You know, Primark, H&M, all of them. I was just going to say, would you class
5: pennies as fast fashion?
13: Yeah, totally. 100%. Go down there this morning, it's mobbed. Yeah, exactly. Because people are skint. And also, we don't have a culture in Ireland of clothes swapping, vintage, second hand, it's still a bit like we still have that kind of mentality we we want everything shiny and new and until that changes and people do the more kind of like what Vivian Westwood said about buying less, buying better Mm. and making it last
5: Mm. No, I'm I'm coming back to the the, the customers that use the stores, uh, be they online or be they in the street and they're from, you, you called it yourself, Generation Greta the most environmentally aware generation there's ever been. And they're also
13: the skintest.
5: And well, yes, but let's stay with stay with the awareness thing. They're aware. Mm-hmm. They know. They understand. They I'm sure read the same things about she and and any other fast fashion that you read, and yet they still go in there.
13: I don't know if there's that level of awareness, to be honest with you. I think if you're a sort of fourteen year old girl you might not, not every 14-year-old girl is going to be Lisa Simpson, you know? There's a lot of people out there who just want... What to, about when
5: they're 20, though, and 21, rather than 14? 14, 14 are, they're, just, they're just kids, but 20, 20, 21, they're young adults.
13: Yes, I agree. And, the, the, of course, personal responsibility and awareness is incredibly important. But there's still... It, it's. It sh- my, my point is it should not be the responsibility of individual 20-year-old skint consumers to avoid something that's right in front of them. My point is it shouldn't be in front of them in the first place.
5: So would you close all these stores down if you had your way?
13: Absolutely. Absolutely. They're not doing any favours for anybody. Their, Their products are rubbish for a start, and they fall to pieces. But apart from that the damage that they're doing environmentally i mean we're 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 hurtling towards mass extinction and we're we're still welcoming stuff like she and into our country or into the world it's it's insanity it's just insanity we need and it's you know it's understandable because we've always been able to you know, we've always been consumers and consumed what we like when we like. And having to put the brakes on that and do a gigantic, massive U-turn, it's overwhelming. Mm. And it's it's not fun and it's frightening and it's and you just think, oh no, and you want the dopamine hit of going to buy something shiny and new and cheap and fast and instant. Of course you do, because we've been conditioned to do that for a long, long time. And deconditioning ourselves in that is is, is really difficult, but we have to start somewhere. And the sight of Simon Coveney cutting the ribbon for Sheehan, it's just like, oh, mate, you might as well have a placard over your head saying, welcome sweatshops, welcome sustain- unsustainable practices. You mm. know, it, it's just, oh, it's just depressing.
9: Mm.
13: But, you know, we, there are so many alternatives to fast fashion you know like clothes swapping for instance it's such it's really fun as well you get a gang of people together with their clothes and they they mightn't be new clothes to you but they're new mm. clothes to somebody else
5: oh There's listen so many different- i i remember having the sound of seven or eight teenagers overhead and thinking that the ceiling was about to come down where they were swapping shoes and dresses upstairs so, yeah. don't tell me they don't do that. They still do that. They're just swapping the Sheehan and Penny stuff.
13: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the solution is other than very firm boundaries at government level. Yeah,
5: it, it sounds like the solution, and I'm not nagging with you, Suzanne, I'm trying to tease it out, it sounds like this is the solution you want is to shut all these places down eventually. Yes, Absolutely. Quality over quantity. So what about, okay, let's come back to an an argument that I remember being in India with a charity a number of years ago and coming across on the outskirts of Bangalore, one of these enormous places with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in and out of it. And being quite shocked that the salary was something like $6 a week. Or some ridiculous amount of money like that, dollar a day for a six-day week, so $6 a week. And I, I at, t- at the time, I would have been thinking a bit like yourself. And I thought, isn't that awful? Isn't that awful exploitation? You know, and I was thinking, well, we need to shut these places down and stop this kind of thing. And one of the people in the group with me said, ah, yes, but where will I get my $6 then? Well, There's yes,
3: that to be course. considered, so that.
13: Yes, there is. But there is also to be considered, instead of the massive profits made by the uh, the people at the top of Sheehan or whoever, that they possibly are encouraged by consumers in the West to pay their workers properly.
5: 100 percent. I agree with you 100 percent. But in the real world, they don't care.
13: No, but consumers can vote with their feet. And that's... Mm. You know, if, if consumers, there's been quite a backlash against Sheehan opening in, in, in Ireland. There was a queue it's at four o'clock in the morning around the
9: corner.
13: Yes, that's true. But there's also been quite a significant backlash, you know, about the fact that we've welcomed them in.
9: Yeah.
13: And uh, I think if people did possibly, yeah, make more conscious choices or make more noise, so that then the trickle-down thing of sweatshop labour being paid properly, more accountability, more transparency, Sheehan doesn't have any of that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it st- sticks a few words like sustainable on its website, but really it doesn't have accountability.
9: Yeah.
13: And yeah. if we if we then allow that to happen by welcoming companies like Sheehan in, that un- inaccountability continues unchecked. People continue to suffer Pe- the... Environment continues to suffer, and we carry on as we have done, and we're not going in the correct, in the right direction.
5: I've enjoyed our conversation, Suzanne. Thank you very much. That's Suzanne Harrington. I'd love to talk to anyone who was in that queue at, at the weekend and stood there for the four hours. I said it to my daughter. I said, "Are you going to queue?" She's telling me, "Backside, Dad, she's she. What are you joking me? I'm never, if I want something, I'll just buy it online. By the time we get in and out of the shop." It'll nearly be here. Jackie, uh, you you shopping? In, in I city.
7: don't. I don't. I want to, but I'm afraid to order if the sizes are not right. Yeah, yeah,
9: every yeah. Per,
7: every person I see on a Sunday night when I'm on it, like, oh, that's a beautiful dress, that's a beautiful top. Where did you get it? Sheen. And I'm, like, I'm afraid to order off them in case it's the wrong size, you know, because I'm a big girl. Right. You
6: know,
7: I, I'd take an XXL now hair. But I wouldn't know what size it would be from them clothes.
6: Yeah.
9: yeah. And I, the
7: girls there were saying they were cheap. I bought a pair of boots in New Look a few months ago, and I went out the first night, and the heels came off the bloody things after i paid 20-odd quid for them.
5: Yeah.
7: And yeah. I, they're cheaply made as well, New Look and Pennies are all cheaply made. Well,
5: that's what Suzanne is saying. Suzanne is saying, really, that she is, in her view anyway, the worst offender. But that <laughs> Penny's stroke Primark or New Look or any of those, if she had her way... She'd chase them out of the high street.
7: I mean, like we all can't afford to go bloody Max and Spencers and places like that, and they're probably made in China as well, a lot of them, we don't know where they've been made. Yeah, it's a fair point. It's my my sister had a pair of boots on her day at the night. She was at the buy new pennies years ago. They were beautiful. Yeah, they fell apart after the night as well.
5: I know, I know. My, my my pal that goes on holidays with me a lot last year left a beloved pair of he had these Most they were awful you could only wear them on holidays they were fluorescent lime green but he loved them you'd, you'd, you'd be arrested if you walked down Patrick Street in them but they looked fantastic on a sun holiday they cost yeah, him I, they cost him nine quid in, in, in pennies about eight years ago
7: yeah I'm not a big clothes shopper I'm not a big shoe shopper bags yeah. anything I buy if they fit me yeah I mean, I bought t- three pairs of jeans out in done a few weeks ago, and I'm delighted with them, and I'm wearing them Sunday night, going out the next Sunday night, you. I'll wear the other one, and the next Sunday night, I'll wear the other one, I'm swapping them around. Good for you. I don't have a load of clothes. Yeah. I don't. I have about six nice tops and four nice pants, yeah. and that's it. Yeah,
5: and combine, every- combine everything well and look after the clothes, and the lot will be fine. Jackie, thank you. 081896. 96.96. More on this in a second.
4: Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 83 9696 This is the
0: Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Fox 96
5: FM. I'm talking about the Sheehan uh, pop-up shop. Gone now, I think. I think it was literally popped up and gone in, in a day or two. Uh, there was a four-hour queue there at the weekend to get in for the clothes. This is... If you're unfamiliar with Xi'an which I imagine most people aren't they know what it is now it's a huge Chinese online shopping brand and they opened this pop-up in Cork uh, last weekend I think it's gone again now and Suzanne Harrington was writing about it in the Examiner horrified A that it opened horrified B that it was allowed to open and welcomed into the country by uh, Simon Cobney and other members of the of the government and Suzanne believes we shouldn't be supporting fast fashion and with that she includes the likes of pennies and other such chains that we should not be supporting that kind of fashion. It's there, I'm told, until Wednesday. Thanks. Mary, are you going in?
7: Absolutely not. I No, I have two daughters and... They have to like they have no other options like aside from the fast fashion for the types of lives they lead. And if you have a 14 year old girl, if you go, if you can get her into something that comes from a more, you know, less fashionable shop, like like where, that could so that name a shop in Cork that you could bring a 14 year old girl into that mm-hmm. she should wear the clothes that wouldn't be a fast fashion brand.
5: I think Suzanne accepts, accepts that it's difficult to change the world at but the then moment.
7: But I'm not talking about, like, it's, it's not even, that's, like, it's just not there. And, like, yeah. the thing is, if you have a child of that age, A, they're going to be a different size by the next time they go to a disco or whatever, whatever they're going to. Yes. You know? And, like, so, like, what is the point? Like, you're talking about swapping things. But, like, if they're swapping them on their friends, all their friends are going to be different sizes, too, by the time. Yeah. Next, do you know what I mean? Like, there's a whole lot, of, especially fast at that age, but like, whatever about mm. adults, and that's your even, like, I said,
5: what do you make of her? her
7: like kind of thing. My wardrobe is full of stuff that's some of which I paid a fortune for, and really, kind of, I wouldn't, you know, go out in now, like, kind of thing, or wouldn't <laughs> fit me, or whatever, you know what I mean?
5: It's <laughs> What what do you make she, of Suzanne's environmental argument that they're just not they're good absolute, for the planet?
7: They're good. They're not good for anybody. They're not good for they're not good for the kids wearing them either. They're, they look awful in a lot of them. The clothes don't fit. They're badly made. The seams are bad. They come apart. They don't come out of the wash. But because they're cheap, that doesn't matter as much. Mm. I kind of think if you're sending 14, and mind your good dress now when you go out, you know what I mean. Those days are long gone.
5: <laughs> you come home and it's been messed up and just fling it in the bin yeah, by another one. Yeah.
7: Something thrown, yes, you know what I mean. Whatever something spilled on it, or you know what I mean. They, you know, just they don't the lo- the kind of lives they don't, you yeah. know, lend themselves to sitting in their good dress or going out in their good dress or, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Like in my mother's time, they were making clothes. And, and went, Mary, the young, oh, the young nice. people that
5: you know that you're talking to me about, the young people that you yeah. know, where where would they be on the environment? Would they be pushing you to be more climate aware? Would they be in saying? Fairness,
7: not, the the one that my my girls and uh, no, they're nineteen and twenty-one now, but they won't buy Sheen. Mm. Won't just won't. Like it's it's a kind and you know it's a, a kind of a, a shame thing, I suppose, among even their friend group that none of them would admit to buying mm. anything from there so there is that but that's when they're older yes and now their clothes will fit them for longer they can swap with their friends at this age far more readily than they could when they were 14 and 16
5: yeah, yeah that, that's just
7: fast fashion is really comes in you know what i mean they're going to a disco they're going to a disco in a gat club twice a year or something like that and they're not going to wear the same dress they want something yeah. up to the minute, and they want the same as all their friends at
5: bank. So, you know... Off go, online. Give in. Yeah. Exactly. 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 All right, Mary, thanks for your call. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I made this point to Suzanne, and it was something that was just said to me when I was in Bangalore. It's a few years ago now. I was in Bangalore, and I was with a group, and we were looking at one of these places, where there were hundreds of people working for what we would consider insulting money. And I was of that kind of, what you might call, left to centre belief that, well, you know, or slightly left to centre, well, not just exploitation and isn't it a disgrace that people have to work for that and blah, 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 and that should be all closed down and we in the West should take action and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. To which... One of the people in my company said to me very politely, look at me as if to say, I understand where you're coming from. But where will we get our six bucks a week then? Simi, good morning.
7: Hi, BJ How are you?
5: Good, good. You live in Malo, but you're originally from India. That's right. And that point I was making, where will we get our six bucks now?
7: Yeah, well, I had to comment when you said that, because uh, in India, we don't have any door or any child benefit. So anyone at the age of 18 is trying to get a job. It doesn't matter even if it's $6, as you said. It's all about trying to be independent and supporting your family. I come from a middle-class family, and we had, we were four, four girls, and my parents were both uh, working, and it's very hard when you have four girls in the family. So we were, right from the childhood, we were told that you have to work hard, and you have to educate yourself if you want to fulfill your dreams. So working for eight, 6 or $7, you know, it, it's not shameful. In fact, you know, it's just increasing you to be independent. That is nothing, that is, we don't think it as exploitation. We take it as an opportunity. Right. So, you know, every Indian is very proud. You do not see anyone, like there is no door. Everyone is out on the street, even if it's 18 or 70 or 80-year-old person, even trying to send vegetables to support his family. So I think it's a good thing, you know, you're trying to be independent. So there is nothing called as exploitation. We are happy to do that.
5: Yeah. I remember being in a store actually buying I went to buy a pair of sandals in a okay. store in in Bangalore and right. I was counting the staff there must have been 12 or 13 staff. Yes. And and I said to the, the man selling me the sandals after I tried tied them on and all that I said you've a very big staff he goes oh they're my family we all Aww. we all make <laughs> some money here.
9: Yep, Yeah.
5: We all make some I thought that's all right.
3: That's okay.
7: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like my son is 18 now, and he came to Ireland at the age of three. And I always tell him, I said, you see where mom is today. I work as a nurse manager in one of the mental health hospitals. And I said, I have achieved all this by working hard, right from as a child my parents had taught me. So it's for you. Now you're only starting at the age of 18. So work hard if you want to have better things in life. So, you know, let's do it, approach.
5: Simi, it's lovely to talk to you again I know you were on the show before and to hear that perspective um, and thankfully I wasn't um, I wasn't talking out of my backside where will them and, and they see it as an opportunity they know it's not great money but they must work hard to earn something they see it as an opportunity and a chance to get on the earning rail or the earning road as it were thank you Simi Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six bunch of stuff here I'd argue it isn't the whole point isn't that the whole point fast fashion kids are growing constantly and you don't have to spend a fortune on clothes all the time in reference to suzanne jesus she doesn't have a clue about she does she my daughter is a hard-working mother who's trying to buy a house she's 41 she buys lots of clothes from Sheehan. The clothes might not be top class but they're not rubbish and they don't fall apart she has bought tops and dresses and jewelry pennies are no better don't they buy most of their clothes from Chinese sweatshops? My daughter buys online. Please don't you know my name? She killed me. Well, pennies will tell you that their sources are sustainable, and we must believe them for that. Uh, but, but I get your point. I love shopping for pre-loved clothes. Uh, I was at three weddings in the last six months, dressed entirely in them, and trying to teach my daughters more about shopping consciously and only buying what we really need. Teaching good values and morals should always come from the parents' How are children supposed to be more environmentally aware if they're not educated? That's from Louise. And I shop in Sheehan all the time. I found their clothes good and great value. I don't know why she said the clothes fall apart as I've never had that happen to me. We need more of Sheehan, to be honest, because shops here are way too expensive. Oh, my God, says Paul, clothes swapping, quality over quantity. Does she not remember the history where woolen mills used to have hundreds of people working for a shilling a day? Big business will always make money from people who want cheap and fashionable clothes. He thinks Suzanne is a bit out of touch with the reality of Sheen. It's all well and good to be giving out about the Sheen pop-up shop. The people going are shopping there anyway online. Uh, yeah, thanks from Deborah. I don't have any particular feeling, this bad or different about. She and I mean, I'm not going to buy anything from them. But I do know that buying stuff online is not for me. I bought a t shirt once. Um, I liked it, it had a fabulous design on it something Marvel. It was a Marvel t shirt with one of these Marvel characters on it. And I was kind of into the Marvel stuff at the time and whatever. And just being on the safe side, I ordered a 4XL. Now, I'm not a small fella, but 4XL here I could go sailing in. With on me. Do you know what I mean? I ordered a 4XL and I wasn't able to get it over my head. The oomphlet ended up wearing it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. 96 Maeve, I think, is on Suzanne's side of the argument. But she makes this point. She says, the same students who took days off school to protest against climate change are the same ones buying Sheehan or who go into pennies after their protest any given Friday. And I'm including my own daughter in this. (laughs) The irony is lost on them. I have to say uh, one thing that if I called them to it myself, I'd be slaughtered. If I came up with this name, I'd be taken out, shot and then cancelled. But Suzanne calls them Generation Greta oh 818 96, 96 96 I'm saying nothing. nothing
4: Friday 26th is Jersey Day
5: Whatever sport you support grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. The
4: Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th You may me feel Get together
5: with family, friends, colleagues or classmates and wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. See 96fm.ie for more. 96fm.ie for more.
4: The Giving for a living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to 27th. You make, you make me feel
1: Only on Cork's
5: 96FM. I didn't realise this one would take off the way that it has. D on Sheehan and fast fashion and all of that. Morning.
7: Morning, TJ. How are you?
5: Good. You buy from them? That's
7: good. All the time. Yeah. Never had a problem with them. They're so easy to send stuff back if you don't. It, it doesn't suit. I don't know. I've yeah. never had a problem with quality of the stuff. Yeah,
5: Suzanne's argument is that it's fast fashion and it leads to tens of thousands and tons of landfill and sweatshop labour.
7: Oh. I'm sorry. No, but how am I supposed to buy clothes? I had three weddings last year, and I wouldn't have went to eat any of them. Only I was able to get cheap dresses off a of Sheen. and I still have them, and I still wear them, and they're fine. Yes, yes. And I love them for a long time.
5: Yes, you mind them.
7: I bought, I do, I bought one in TK Maxx before I went out to Spain, and two days in, it ripped down the, the back.
5: Yeah. Ah, you can be going unlucky wherever now. you get. Yeah. No, no, know? How are you going, by the way? You went over and got the, <laughs> the hip done, was it?
7: <laughs> no, my knee. The knee, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, my God. It, uh, the best thing I ever did. When did you go? And um, the 23rd of April I flew out and I was back on the 30th
5: very good and are you off the crutches?
7: not till this Friday hopefully oh, brilliant
5: brilliant. Well, but I'm
7: them. flying yeah, absolutely flying
5: brilliant yeah, and yet another success story for the uh, travelling over to Spain to get your hips and your knees done and hopefully you'll get all your money back as well down the road yeah very
9: but
7: good one tiny drawback what's that? Uh, when you come home they have no physio set up for you
5: Aye. if you need it
7: Okay. Okay. So I had to go and pay for that privately. I
5: see. I
7: see. I so see. they want to pull their fingers out now and get that sorted. <laughs>
5: <laughs> next chapter. Next chapter. D thanks and good luck and continued recovery. 0818 96, 96, 96. Happy to come back to the, the fast fashion story if if you want to, but there's another story that has just grown and grown over the last few days since the coronation. When Leo Varadkar's, I don't know if his husband or partner attended the coronation with Leo, Matt Barrett, the doctor, and he put up some Instagram posts during the course of the ceremony. One, and I, I gotta tell you, I burst out laughing when I saw it a picture of King Charles with the crown on his head. And he said it was like the sorting hat in Harry Potter. <laughs> and it was half expecting the hat to shout Gryffindor I thought that was funny but the designer Paul Costello not happy and uh, a lot of people queuing up to say that it was inappropriate there was a photo also that he took from the back of the Taoiseach's official car well, this was cheeky while all the VIPs were piling in for the coronation he goes holy SH1T I think I've accidentally been crowned king of England yeah. then there was the um, when the queen consort Camilla was, was waiting for her coronation and all her regalia to come down he took a picture of the liturgy the printed liturgy and he posts up an Instagram post sounds like the script to a good night to be honest I laughed I have to say I shouldn't have, Michael, should I? Good morning.
2: Well, PJ, sorry, can I just pause you there for a moment, please, and just go back, if you don't mind, to your earlier discussion with Gareth. Yes. And I will also include your earlier discussions with Elmerie Moore, two fine individuals, well-respected, well-known presenters on your show. Sure. And wish them both the very best, because... It brings us, you know, to, to, to a situation where we never know what's around the corner. And little did Garrett realize when driving through the city with his family that suddenly he would be at death's door. Tragedy. Right. And uh, I, I think on behalf of many of your listeners who would, who would listen to both shows, I would just extend best wishes to both of them because right. uh, they're very, very uh, uh, well-known and well-respected very persons. Kind. Now, uh, coming to this matter, PJ, look, if we go back to basics here... Now, I first of all, let me say I am not a monarchist. Mm. I have no particular interest in the monarchy other than to read the amusing stories about their behaviour from time to time. So I am an Irish Republican mm-hmm. and nationalist. But at the same time, PJ, you know, we have to go back to basics here. From time to time, we are all invited to certain events and functions, mm-hmm. either as individuals or representing the company or organisation we work with or for. Now, if we are invited representing a company or a country or whatever, then we have to make a decision that if we accept this invitation, we are expected to behave in a particular manner. Yeah. Now, both of those individuals, I'm not using the term gentlemen because I don't behave, believe they deserve that title. Both of them are... Really? Both of them, well, let me continue now, please. Okay, okay. Both of them are highly educated individuals. We One would assume that they should know how to behave themselves in certain circumstances. Okay. If not, then Leo Varadkar, as the Taoiseach and the representative of the government and the people of this country, he received an invitation. He had a duty and a responsibility to ensure that the person he brought as his plus one behaved in an appropriate manner. Now, this man, in my opinion, did not behave in an appropriate manner under the circumstances. No, rather than immediately apologise, Leo Varadkar took the position that this man is an individual and he posted it on his private site. No, completely unacceptable. You know, that excuse, does fact, though. But he was there...
5: I I am not my partner's keeper.
2: He was, no, but Leo Varadkar had a duty and responsibility to ensure that this man behaved appropriately. Now, we are all invited to places. There are certain procedures that we are asked to follow in certain circumstances. The behavior of this man, let me put it very bluntly, it was not only irresponsible, it was shameful, it was disrespectful, and it was humiliating. Not only to the people involved there, but to the people of Ireland, because Leo Varadkar represented the people of Ireland. And this individual who attended with him had a duty and responsibility to show respect to the people of Ireland. He did not. I think it is shameful if it was in any other country, Leo Varadkar would be forced to resign but you Ireland, think so much. No, absolutely. Read. I, Matt, 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 by the, the way, has since apologized.
5: Matt has apologized. He, he Ir- said irrelevant,
2: irrelevant. He's an educated man. He knew exactly what he was doing at the time. He was totally disrespectful yeah. to the system, and he was disrespectful to the people of Ireland. He is a disgrace. And oh, I think, see, Leo, in my opinion, work. Leo Varadkar. Hold on, let, let,
5: let, me, let me come back and, and yeah, counter, yeah, it, go counter go it a little bit. He was having a bit of fun.
2: Well, PJ, there are places for fun and there are places for serious behaviour. Like, I'm I not
5: going to apologise. I thought I the one about, I the, one about that, the crown
2: and comparing well, it to the hat in Harry Potter. I laughed at that. But PJ, there is a time and place for everything. He could have done it after the event, when he was back in Ireland or whatever. But during the event, it was considered by many to be a solemn occasion. It was disrespectful to the event and it was disrespectful to the people of Ireland, whether the, many people may agree with him. They say many people would not agree with the whole monarchy situation. Me personally also. Mm-hmm. But this was not the act that was, was should be appropriate under the circumstances. Here's, here's
5: a question, Michael. If it was a thing that Matthew had tweeted these or put these Instagram posts up while he was watching the event on television... Rather than be sitting there in the congregation, well,
2: well, that would that have made a difference? Well, to me, it would be completely different. To me, he was there as a plus one representing the Irish government and the people of Ireland. He has insulted and humiliated, made a laughing stock of the people of Ireland. He has reached the newspapers throughout the world. And look, here's another thing that didn't get any... Com- uh, didn't. Did you see the video of Leo Varadkar picking his nose as he was walking in? You I laugh, told, but okay, that's, it's funny, I, well, but this is not the behaviour of a man hold representing hold a on, country. Hold
5: on, hold on, hold on. He may have just had an uncomfortable moment. Like, I'm sure if you s- sit around the studio here for three hours of a morning, Michael, you'll find me picking at my ear or, or scratching myself... Agreed, agreed, is, PJ. is that social media fodder? Is that not, not it, the person who put the video up?
2: It's from all over the world that yeah, focus on it's, you.
5: is it not the person, is it not the responsibility of the person who sneakily put that video up?
2: Not at all. It is the behaviour of the man who, again, behaved inappropriately. There are cameras all over the world. We know now, PJ, that everybody who goes out the door, well, people who are well-known, not others, of course, not the normal people, but they go out, they cannot scratch their head. Without somebody and that taking is a wrong, photograph. Michael. That not, is wrong. You have a private life. Well, not when, you're re- not when you're representing your country in a public event. Not when you're representing the, the yeah. country and the people. Now, pe- I'm, I'm, I'm hoping people will, will disagree with me because I think it's appropriate. But that is my view. Again, mm. I'm not a monarchist. Mm. Uh, but when we attend particular events, we have a responsibility to behave. The behaviour of Leo and his partner yeah. were shameful and disgraceful
5: well, to me to me the the nose picking thing i thoroughly blame the person who took that picture and sneakily put it up for likes well, and I stand people, over that but
2: but this is what happens look there was a picture taken of leo and his partner one time at some music event you Sorry, know yeah. again you know what was the relevance in this i don't know but this is what happens when people who are in the public view go out mm-hmm. but again i come back to Leo, who has attempted to avoid this. His colleagues who have attempted to push it under the park say, oh, he's a private individual. No, he was not there. Mm-hmm. He was not there as a private individual. Matthew, Matthew Barrett was not individually mm-hmm. invited to that event. and He I, has
5: apologised. I
2: blame and hold Leo responsible.
5: Okay, he has apologised and said it. Well, irrelevant. He,
2: he was a, an, well, a, an well intelligent.
5: hold on a while Michael. What no, about no, a, fri- no, no Let, let me stop you there for one second. What about a principle I learned from my late father? Okay, a about, decent man. Ab- Go on. Ab- about apologies. Yeah. Takes a man to apologize. Takes a bigger one to accept.
2: Well, that's that's one particular view. But here is an educated man who behaved like an irresponsible child, and now he wants to apologize for his behavior. He thought he was funny, okay. but it, it calls into question the, the particular mentality of both him and his partner Leo Varadkar okay. and don't forget Leo was there representing Ireland and the people of Ireland okay. shameful disgraceful Okay,
5: Michael you've started the conversation we'll see where it goes 083 396 96 96 or 0818 96 96 96 I laughed at the things that Matt put up should he have done it while he was inside in the cathedral probably not are we blowing it out of proportion that's up to you to tell me.
4: Join the conversation! Email opinion at 96FM.ie.
0: This is the Opinion line with PJ Coogan. Quartz 96FM! <laughs> the Minds
4: are Live! Hello! <laughs> Join the conversation Call 0818 96, 96, 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396
0: 96
4: 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie
0: This is The Opinion line with PJ Coogan Pogs 96
5: m Still getting some stuff in on Sheehan, I'll come back to it, and Fast Fashion General and Pennies and other shops like that. I was talking with Suzanne Harrington, who believes, well, if she had her way, she would chase all of these brands out of the high street. And she certainly doesn't think that Sheehan should have been allowed to open a pop-up shop in the city. You'll be able to hear that on podcast, my chat with her on podcast later in the day. Also to Michael, I forgot to mention I didn't get an opportunity to mention at the end of my conversation with Michael he had some very kind words at the start about Gareth O'Callaghan and indeed about Elmerie Moore and some good news for Michael and some good news for Elmerie's fans of a Sunday morning. She will be joining me here to co-host the Opinion Line during Radiothon. she was sitting in with me for the mornings of Thursday and Friday. So looking forward to that. We haven't worked together that closely together in, in quite some time. So really, really looking forward to that. 0818 96 96 96. The number of the text or WhatsApp is 083 96 96 96. And the email is opinion at 96mm.ie. come back to anything else you want to, including um, Mass... Leo's partner's Instagram posts during the coronation more people care about this than I actually thought to be quite frank with you I still think they were funny I'm inclined to come about to the way of thinking now though that look it'd been better off if he was sitting at home watching it on the telly he might have got away with it but actually being there in the cathedral during the very solemn event was probably a small bit cheeky alright to be fair Also with regard to the picture of Leo picking his nose My blame there is to the person who thought there was a bit of fun in putting that picture up People pick and scratch and pull at themselves all the time Uh, Imagine a situation here And look, I'm not Leo Baradka or anywhere like him But I like to go out and be myself I'm well known around these parts Goals with the territory There are shops can go into And I can't open my mouth But someone Ah hello PJ You get used to it After a few years And it's nice to be recognised And people are generally very nice But what if someone decides When I'm Having a few pints Or sitting on the bus Or whatever And I Scratch myself Or pull a ear Or stick And then they put that up On social media In a bid to ridicule me Is that fair? Is that fair? Because I don't think it is I'm a private individual and I'm entitled to my privacy as well as everything else. We'll come back to it and anything else. Now, the fair deal scheme came up on the programme yesterday. Uh, I was talking to the family of Patrick Murphy, talking to John, his son. Patrick is 99 and he's a resident, or nearly 99, and he's a resident of the Beaumont Residential Care and they have pulled out ...of the Fair Deal Scheme. They're part of Care Choice Group and they pulled out of the Fair Deal Scheme because they're just not getting the money it costs to support the Fair Deal Scheme. For those of you who don't know, the Fair Deal Scheme is a a way that you can get financial support for a loved one who has to have nursing home care. It's devilishly complex to get approval. I'll come back to that But it's there and it's generous And if you can get approved for it It covers rather a lot But as Patrick Murphy and his family are finding out It doesn't cover everything So we were, as I said, talking about that yesterday And the whole thing prompted a call from Paula uh, You have your own issues with regard to to a nursing home Paula, good morning to you
11: Good morning Yeah, I have an elderly friend he doesn't have any family. His wife died a long time ago, yeah. and he lives on his own. And um, the gentleman is is legally blind. He's had one kidney removed. He's had cancer. The house that he's living in is very damp, and his chest has suffered for it. So he he has a nebulizer on most of the day every day, right. uh, and he's relying on home help, neighbors, and friends to take care of him and look after him. Yeah. So he made the decision last year that it, it was time that he would go into home because he felt a burden on people. Yeah. Applied to go into a nursing home in East Cork. He applied for long term, as in he thought at the time that he was going in, this was it, he was going into the nursing home cool. and he's going to be looked after for the rest of his life. Yeah. What age is he, Hannah? He's in his 80s. Yeah. The, the nursing home, very nice place, and um, well well looked after um, and he, after two weeks after two weeks being in there, the, the lady said "You respite is up now, are you are you go home." And he didn't understand what she was saying because he presumed after that he's going to be in there that this was it.
5: Oh, yeah. they gave and him a respite says,
11: no, no. bed yeah yeah, they gave him a respite, so they said they keep him for another week in order to get the paperwork and things stuff to go through to let him there yeah. the time. But after we came a week came through we didn't they didn't have the paperwork done and they just let him go home. No, he's, he's not he's not great on his feet um, he's arthritis I mean there's an. I could I could stay here now and list off the amount of health issues that he has It mm-hmm. should be actually something there when I'm 24 I would yeah, say. You're,
5: you're, you're struggling to get him into a place yeah. now because he, yes. be he, he needs to be in there full time
11: he needs to be in there full time he have a niece and a grandniece and his nephew that are like really doing their best and neighbours neighbours really really trying hard but it's getting him more and more down because he feels obviously a burden on on everybody so last week I took the initiative to ring um, a TV email in Papuckley yeah. and he contacted the nursing home and had a conversation with the manager there and she said there is a bed available. Right. To ring his help nurse on Monday, organise the, the paperwork and there's a bed available. Okay. And I, I was like, brilliant, that's excellent. Job done. Yeah. The, the paperwork that needs to be filled out is by his doctor. It's just a referral to say that in his, in his health now, he needs full-time care. Yeah. So I said, that's brilliant. Just get a letter from the doctor. Ryan said, a nursing home, and all of a sudden, there's no bed there.
5: Bed's gone.
11: Bed's gone. And I said, but this was only last Friday, and you were aware that, like, we were putting in the paperwork for that bed. And she said, not like that.
5: In the meantime, the the bed has been allocated to somebody else who probably had the paperwork there and then. Yeah.
11: There and then, yeah. But we've been searching every other place as well, and there's nothing. Like, what do you do? I don't. I don't know. We we don't know what to do. It, hence me ringing you. I thought you were the the, the last resort well, in the hope that somebody might come back and say, "Here's how you go about it," or "or this is what you have to do," or anything, anything at all because I'm, I'm stuck yes. in a place where I don't, he doesn't want people to be really looking after him because he feels a burden and he have no other choice but let people look after him because he's not in the state to look after himself.
5: And the, and the, you had a bed or thought he had a bed and now the bed no, is gone? No yeah.
11: uh, she said, he pop up last, last Friday.
5: There was a bed there and now there was
11: a bed there that two ring on Monday, yeah. and when his niece rang there was no bed there.
5: Okay. I don't know what we can do from here but you've at least aired the situation. I really yeah. hope something works out.
11: Yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe yeah. there'll
5: be another bed come up but in the same I don't
11: think he's not he, he's not the only one I'm sure he's out there. He's not the he's not the only one no. that is suffering at the time of the life when they should be looked after and, and that's the way it should be like.
5: I know. I know. Paula, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much for contacting us. We'll see what happens. Thanks
11: for listening to me. Uh, Uh, And if anybody out there has any advice or anything, I I would gladly take
5: it. (laughs) And they can contact us and we'll pass that advice on to you. Have a good day.
11: Thank you very much.
5: More than welcome, more than welcome, Paula. And my regards to your friend. Yeah, the fair deal scheme, I'm not too sure if this gentleman would would come under it. Maybe he would. But it's... It's a system whereby you pay a certain amount towards the cost of your nursing home care and the HSE picks up the tab for the rest. You need to be approved for it, obviously, before you can get funding for a nursing home. Your care needs have to be assessed by the HSE and your financial situation is also assessed to see how much you can pay towards the cost of your care. The HSE then pays the balance between what you pay and what the nursing home is charging. So let us say, as a roundabout figure, that the nursing home charges €1,000 a week and you're eligible to pay, we'll say, 200 Well, the HSE is to pick up the 800 That's after a very long and very arduous approval proceedings. You are fielding calls from families very upset about this. It is a fiendishly complicated approval system. But once you get on it, it seems to work well. Good morning. E-
1: e- yes, uh, well like, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's perfect either um, PJ, thanks for having me on um, but uh, I suppose it does offer people uh, the ability to afford care that they wouldn't otherwise be able to afford. Um, we have had though in the last since um, since the news broke on Thursday, Friday last week we've had well over a dozen um, residents or relatives of residents in contact with us, and um, really, really worried, really worried in lots of ways. The first thing to say, they they have nothing but good things to say about the staff in uh, in Beaumont and how they were looked after. They're 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 by and large very happy there uh, with the care of the the, the their relatives are receiving, but they're really really worried now because mm-hmm. they couldn't protect they couldn't possibly afford the care yeah. except for the fair deal scheme just to bring they're people up to speed
5: that might have missed it dunnick i should have said this before i went over to you beaumont is pulling out of the fair deal scheme because they're saying it's no longer financially viable for them as a business
1: yeah and there's about 73 residents in uh, in beaumont who are uh, and the vast majority of them if not all of them are uh, through the Fair Deal scheme. certainly the vast majority of them. And um, the uh, Care Choice, their their version of it is that the uh, the rate that they're looking for is already twenty nine thousand. Lower per resident than what the HSC pays. Now the HSC would have some different costs, but like what I'd be looking for, and I have written to the HSC both locally and nationally, and I've put down a number of dial questions, and I'm hoping I'm putting down a debate uh, for this evening and tomorrow. I'm hoping it gets picked that I can raise this with the minister. The HSC need to come back to the table. It would be. Unacceptable if these residents, a lot of whom are quite elderly, a lot of them are quite vulnerable, a lot, some, several of whom have dementia and a move like this would be unbelievably traumatic and would set them back. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be unacceptable if they were forced uh, to move or uh, anything like that. So the HSE needs to come back to the table here, talk to Care Choice about Beaumont residential care. Um, look, there needs to be a bit of give and take and there needs to be a fair discussion, but come back to the table with a realistic offer um, that can ensure that these residents, that has to be priority number one, that these residents can be kept in what is their home uh, at this point. Care
5: Choice is a very sizable organisation. Would there be a fear, do you think, Donach, that if they go ahead with this, that it'll affect other branches of
1: their group? Uh, Look, I mean, you would have to be concerned about that. and I know that there has been a number of, not necessarily Care Choice, but a number of private uh, residential care settings across the state that have closed in the last year or two because they've found the costs difficult to bear. Um, look, I understand the HSE has to have a mind to, to um, I suppose, public money and making sure that that's spent fairly and that kind of stuff. But it does seem to me that they haven't taken adequate account of the way that costs have increased in terms of energy and everything like that over the last year or so. So, yeah, you would have to be worried that potentially this is, if it's an issue, in Beaumont, then there's every possibility that it's going to be an issue in other uh, nursing homes. So, um, look in, in particular in relation to Beaumont, my hope would be that they come back to the table, they have a reasonable discussion, they put a reasonable offer on the table, and we can get an agreement. Mm. I know that there has been a lot of back and forth, but I I, th- I think care choice have been have been frustrated by uh, the engagement so far. Yeah. But look, we can't have um dozens of elderly people now being forced out of their nursing home. As I say, many of them very vulnerable, many of them uh many of them very elderly and several of them with dementia. Like it would be completely unacceptable. Like we need to make sure these people are looked after. It's very distressing, so it's very really dist-
5: Many of them, like you say, the ones with dementia, it would be very distressing for them. For Patrick, who is still quite Uh, Compass mentis according to his son who I chatted with yesterday it would be very distressing because he simply isn't able to mind himself at home it's not possible for him so for all those people these are very worrying times and for their families these are very worrying I mean it's a massive decision to put a loved one into a care home anyway
1: It is, and there'll be some people will be trying to have the discussion, God, is there any way that we can afford it ourselves without fair deal? And they'll be looking at their finances and potentially thinking of making sacrifices in other parts of their lives to try and keep their loved ones there. And some will try, and they they will find that, no, that's not doable. So so there's very difficult choices that are being put on the table now. And it's like, it really is like, you know, as I say, the fair deal isn't perfect, but if you have... Uh, made the decision with your loved ones uh, to to uh, find a nursing home place there is a security there there is a peace of mind there uh, that they will be looked after and that they have a secure place to have that whipped from under you is uh, is very very scary so um, like I, I really I, I hope that this can be resolved Um it really it really is the kind of thing that 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 would nearly keep that would keep you up at night if your loved ones were there, Indeed. and uh, if you didn't have, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. In relation to Mr. Murphy, um, uh, like in, if you didn't have confidence in terms of a solution here, um, so uh, it really is incumbent on the HSC and Care Choice, and they need to. I, I think they need to they need to work out a compromise here and a fair resolution. But uh, but this cannot be allowed to escalate and continue. This needs to be seen off the pass.
5: I I imagine it is not the case Uh, in fact I'd be very confident it's not the case that anyone like Patrick Murphy or anyone like him is going to find themselves outside in the driveway with their bags and baggage
1: any day soon but time is running out Yes, time is running out and um, look I know that you know nothing is going to happen overnight and obviously um, you know there will be some space for families to, to try and figure things out and alternatives, and I, I expect that Kerchoy still hope that the HSE will come forward um, with an improved offer um, that, that is maybe more sustainable, as they would well, see But they it. seem to have uh, made
5: that money available to other places, like uh, 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 John Murphy was quoting St. Finbar's, that the money they're giving to St. Finbar's is
1: higher and was increased
5: more yes, than they're and like I mean, to give the care of choice. That's not exactly fair.
1: No, and like I mean, I suppose that point has been made that like I mean the ones that the HSE are directly involved in themselves would receive significantly more per resident, tens of thousands um more per resident um in some instances. Um no, like the, the cost basis is a bit different there, uh, and I suppose there are a number of explanations potentially for that to some extent, uh, yeah. but not to the extent not to the extent of the disparity that exists there now. And clearly, I think we need to, I, I think there's a policy issue across the board, right, not just in terms of Beaumont, but I think we need to be looking at the rates in terms of wages and in terms of subsidy for um, the the nursing homes generally. What can actually achieve proper sustainability that okay. these can operate in a sustainable way. So, um, look, I'm going to be using every avenue I can to raise this. And When, as,
5: when will you know if you're getting the opportunity to raise it on, in the House? I...
1: Uh well I suppose there's there there's these kind of lottery debates every day. I will probably know uh at as- three or four o'clock whether I can get it tonight or tomorrow um, and then if I'm not successful then I'll submit it for, for next week again so whatever but there are other avenues and I, I will as you know it's, not, it's just as simple as uh, just picking a time and getting up and speaking but I will find whatever avenue I can to try and raise this because there is an urgency to this I have written to the HSE I will be I can be back in contact with you PJ if you wish if I get a response from them Do please. Um, so we. I, I will certainly yeah, if, if, and if, if, uh, if, look if they come back to you we, we need a solution here like I mean I think look nobody wants to see families worried and up uh, all night nobody wants to see elderly people forced out of their nursing homes what we need here is everyone to come to the table find a solution that works uh, and we can move on from this crisis but, uh, but like time is is uh, is is limited, time is okay. limited and uh, everyone needs to come back to the Okay, Let's
5: see where it goes. Thank you. Uh, that's Danica O'Leary, Sinn Féin TD for Cork, South Central. 0818 96 96 96 There's a lot of people uh, benefiting from the Fair Deal scheme. Once you get approved, getting approved is fiendishly difficult. You have to get a you have to get a care need assessment By the HSE, they have to confirm that you're you're in need of long term care. Then your finances have to be assessed. They'll decide, having done that, how much you can actually pay so that they take up the balance. Your assets, your savings, your property, pretty much every cent that you've ever owned or earned in your life is taken into account. And at the end of all that process, the Fair Deal Scheme. If you're approved for it, they cover accommodation, food, nursing, personal care, laundry, basic aids, and basic appliances. It doesn't cover things like hairdressing and therapy or activities in the nursing home. Then you have to front that up for yourself. But it's it's a it's a scheme that's um, that's, that's short on funds. For some people. 0818 96 96 96. You guys ready? Watch out! drive home
0: weekdays from 4
4: on Cork's 96 FM Summertime in Cork
13: sounds a little bit like this
5: Lorraine I'm absolutely roasting doing stop and go here and uh, McCroom bypass roasting
13: and it also sounds a little bit like this
3: no crack whatsoever because of all the rain this morning
4: but whatever the weather I'll be sorting you out with the biggest summer tunes
6: can you play the new Ellie Goulding and Calvin Harrison please and
4: sizzling prizes to make you go
3: Woo! this is a job so Make
4: sure you're driving home with me every weekday from 4.
0: The Big Drive Home with Nyan Motors,
5: your number one for Kia in Cork. Cork's 96 FM. Forgot to do this uh, last hour when the Sheehan conversation kicked off on us. Uh, we are sending you and three of your friends along to the biggest 90s and noughties disco on the 27th of May, Saturday week at the INEC in Killarney, a night of 90s and noughties, and guest appearances by artists who were in the charts back then, like Five and Mark McCabe and many, many more. I'll try and get the big list for you. Uh, Biggestdisco.com is the website for tickets, but I have a set of four tickets every day this week for you and whoever you choose to take with you. Playing a 90s hit in reverse. In reverse. What is this? Tell me who it is. Tell me the name of the song and the name of the artists Kurgle thought that was a tough one this morning the bit at the end gave it to him there you are alright 083 396 96 96 we'll pick a winner Before quitting time, there was some response to myself and Michael before 11, talking about Leo and Matt and Matt's social media posts from the coronation last week. Totally agree with Michael. It was snide, rude, stupid behaviour from Matt and Leo, and Leo's trying to dodge it now. Niall Martin's on a different level entirely as a statesman. We'll be glad when Leo isn't Taoiseach anymore. We are so much better than this. Uh, I think a donation to penny dinners would be the best form of apology on Matt's behalf. Tom says, I'm a Republican, as Republican as the rest of them, but I feel disgraced that we as a country couldn't send people who behaved correctly, all the other countries from all over the world that went there. Someone else, however, thinks that Michael should go and have a large bowl of cornflakes from himself, or for himself. Bernie, there are more important things to worry about like that 99-year-old man who may have to leave his nursing home. Who cares about Prince Charles' coronation? It's not our country or our culture, says Bernie. Speaking of of public figures behaving in an inappropriate fashion, uh, I've been meaning to play this for a few days. This is astonishing audio. Do you remember where Donald Trump... Well, you know about the case himself and the columnist E. Jean Carroll. And she has been awarded $5 million in damages against him after a civil trial, very important, a civil trial found that he did sexually abuse her in a department store in New York 27 years ago. There's no criminal element to this. It was a civil trial. And it's deemed that he did... Sexually assault her in this department store in New York twenty-seven years ago. He completely denies it. Of course, he claims he never even knew the woman, etc., etc. You know, you know, it started in beg His denials of it. He was at a CNN town hall last week, and of course, it was always going to come up. And boy, did the Donald! Caught loose.
4: A jury of nine people who found you liable of sexual abuse. Do you think Uh, that 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 will deter
2: women from voting for you? No,
3: I don't think so because I think the whole thing. Just so you understand, ready? I never met this woman. I never saw this woman. This woman said I met her at the front door of Bergdorf Goodwin, which I rarely go into other than for a couple of charities. I met her in the front door she was about 60 years old and this is like 22 23 years ago I met her in the front door of Bergdorf Goodman I was immediately attracted to her and she was immediately attracted to me and we had this great chemistry we're walking into a crowded department so we had this great chemistry and a few minutes later we end up in a a room a dressing room a Goodman, right near the cash register and then she found out there are locks on the door so she said i found one that was open she found one she learned this at trial she found one that was open what kind of a woman meets somebody and brings them up and within minutes you're playing hanky-panky in a dressing room okay i don't know if she was married then or not john johnson i feel sorry for you john but johnson Mr. tell you this but Mr. are President, you ready can I, can I, and i can swear I ask on my because... children which i never do I have no idea who this woman, this is a fake story, made up story. We had a horrible Clinton appointed judge, he was horrible. He allowed her to put everything in, he allowed us to put nothing in. Mr. President, this is a you're recounting
1: your version story.
5: of it then. See, the thing is, he was saying in Doonba- In Doonbank, he would no idea who she was, he'd never heard of her. And then he was going through the whole thing like it was a sleazy episode of Coronation Street or something like that. But he's saying this like on national television, on CNN. Exactly what happened? It's bizarre. Really, is weird. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. He just cut loose as as the Donald does. Twenty 2020, twenty twenty four is going to be very very interesting to see what happens with their with their presidential election. Joe Biden has said he's running again, um, and will more than likely be the he will be in fact the Democratic candidate and it's a race between Donald Trump and is it Ron DeSantis for the Republican nomination. Depending on where you read and who you read, Donald Trump is ahead. Could be a very interesting election at the back end of twenty twenty four. O eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'm going to keep the best comment of the day till the end of the show. It's to do with fast fashion. Finn, you made me laugh, bud. But A couple of stories coming out of the drinks sector in the last few days. One is that turnover for a lot of pubs is back to, or maybe even better than it was pre-COVID, which is good to read. Another one was a warning about the changes in licensing laws which are on the way. This is the sale of alcohol bill. A warning that it will come at an enormous cost to Irish society. It will allow nightclubs stay open until 6am and allow pubs to stay serving until 12.30, seven nights a week. It's the sale of alcohol bill 2022. A man called Professor Emeritus Tom Baber said that that extension of trading hours would have a negative impact on public health and public safety. That's his view. He's entitled to it. The Vendors Federation then was saying that publicans now have their turnover back at a similar level or levels maybe that even exceed pre-Covid. Let's look at the two of those with Michael O'Donovan, the Cork Chair of the VFI. Michael, I'm good. Good to see the figures are back up and attendance is back up. Good morning.
10: Good morning, PJ. Yes, it's great to see us um, over the last number of months, but uh, it's come at a huge cost as well uh, to publicans. You know, I think everybody will appreciate. Uh, If they've been to their local in the last number of months or over the last 12 months, there's huge investment gone into pubs Mm. uh, over that time. So I think um, they're seeing the benefits of investing into it, into their business. Mm. And thankfully, I think uh, there's been payoff coming back with people coming back to the pub. And look, an interesting uh, fact, I think, that we're seeing here in Trim today at our national conferences, a lot of publicans are talking about people are... Starting to come out earlier in the day, yes, um, and going home early. Now, some are attributing that to transportation, but I think maybe people's habits have changed over the last two, three years, uh, and we're that's uh, that's coming out across the country as people are saying that, that that is the way the way the trade is is going at the moment.
5: I'm seeing a, a, quite a number of pubs as well, Michael, with a with a five day week that they just don't open on Monday or Tuesday. They open in the late afternoon Wednesday and Thursday. They open earlier on Friday and Saturday and late afternoon again on Sunday, closed Monday or Tuesday. I'm seeing a lot of that around.
10: Yeah, look, there's a number of combinations for that PJ. Staffing issues is one, but also costs uh, associated with opening a pub. You know, you can't just go in and turn on the lights and off you go. There's cooling systems, you know, uh, beer systems have to be uh, turned on. Um, So if you're closed Monday, Tuesday, you can cut your costs um, and that's, uh, I suppose, helping in the turnover of the business. And I think that's something that we're going to see more of going forward. Mm-hmm. Is pubs? Um, I think picking which days that they're open um, and trying to maximise their revenues. I think to, mm-hmm. to make them viable. I
5: think it makes. I, if you ask me, Michael, it makes a whole pile of sense. It, it really does. I, I can't see why you'd keep a, a pub open and it's empty on a Monday or a Tuesday. What did you make of these? warnings by Professor Baber that oh, let, letting you open a bit later, letting clubs open till six o'clock. Not that they have to, but let and letting you guys open till half twelve, so that it would cause carnage and the destruction of society.
10: Yeah look, PJ, everybody's entitled to their opinion on it, but look for pubs at present we're open until half eleven, you know, um Sunday night um or sorry, Monday through Thursday, Sunday night at eleven o'clock. I suppose our call is on the government is to extend the Sunday night uh, to make it uh, in par with the rest of the week and the government went a little step further in making every night equal to a Friday and Saturday night. Look, the pub is still the safest place for people to go out, socialise and enjoy alcohol because when it's at home, we all know there's no control measures, there's no... Um, nobody policing us You know, we are professionals in what we do We want people to enjoy themselves But we also want people to be safe mm. So, you know, we, we take that uh, It's part of our licensing requirements So we try and make sure people enjoy themselves And be safe So the pub is the safest place to go and enjoy alcohol um, and
5: Correct out. me if I'm wrong here, Michael But if it were the thing that it was Allowed to be 12.30 Seven nights a week There's no compulsion on you to keep the place open till 12.30, seven nights no. a
10: week uh, absolutely not. And, you know, what? as I've said and what's been said here in Trim and County Mead at our conference, you know, we're seeing people coming out early and going home early. Mm. You know, one of one of the things that we've seen since, I suppose, coming out of our horrendous two years of COVID, the amount of times that I personally have had to say, you know, at the end of the night, flash the lights and tell people, come on, have you any homes to go to? I'd say I'd count them in one hand over the last 12, 15 months. It's just not—it's uh, it, just not needed to be done anymore, nearly. So, uh, yes, young people like to go out and go socialising, go dancing, and uh, meet each other. Uh, that's a different—I suppose—different. Um, Uh, proposition Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's where the 6am comes into, you know, there'll be like talking here of Cork and County Cork, there'll be a very, very small percentage, maybe 2% of the membership will will have the capability or the possibility of availing of that 6am closing, Mm -hmm. so it's a very, very uh, small pool you will be talking about
5: I've seen again, just in my own travels around places now their Sunday night entertainment those places that put on music on a Sunday a lot of that now is over by 9 o'clock 7 to 9 or 6.30 to 8.30 which is a trend like you pointed. and I was out myself for a few pints a couple of weeks back on a Friday night and the musician in, in the place was a guy I know well, he was done and dusted by, by half 11
10: Yeah, that, that's, that, that is a trend especially when you say there the Sunday what we're seeing is uh, members are telling us that they're closing up at half past nine, ten o'clock on a Sunday, and um, business is done. People are gone home. Uh, as I, as I reiterate, they they come out earlier and they go home earlier. Mm. Uh, customers they're out, and like you know, the matches. If there's a match on, if people want to go out to watch a match, if there's um, an event on, they're generally on in the early afternoon, late afternoon. So people. Are um, ready to go home, and they they I suppose people are more conscious of going to work on a Monday morning, and mm-hmm. um, so it's—it's it's all fed into it.
5: I think it's all very civilized. If a pub wants to show the match on a Sunday at four o'clock and put a fella on singing a few tunes afterwards and put a sign up over the bar, we close at nine on Sunday. Good on them.
10: Yeah, look, it's, as I said, it's with spiralling costs at the moment, PJ. And people have to, you know, the old adage cut your cloth accordingly, so that's what we're seeing at the moment is, you know, people trying to reduce costs but trying to still give the entertainment offering to the to the patrons that, that come into the pub.
5: And lastly, do you think it's unfair what Professor Baber has said, that we'd all go crackers and that there'd be more casualties and more domestic violence and more bad nights at A&E if we were to change the, the hours the way that, that, that is proposed to you? <laughs>
10: Um, look, I personally I don't think that will happen. But obviously, the professor is entitled to his views. And um, like you are talking about, if they extend the hours for the regular pub, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and a Sunday night. So you're talking about five and a half hours extra per week. Um, yeah. per week. You know, it's it's not uh, it's not life changing. In that, yes, look, the the six a.m. I have my own views on that. I think look. That's probably a step too far. I think uh, it's it, it wasn't something that was really uh, called upon by us, the the publicans. I think uh, if you talk to any late night uh, nightclub owner or you know late night venue owner, maybe if they got another hour onto the three o'clock to four o'clock, I think they would have been acceptable and happy with that. And the six o'clock seemed to be. Uh, it's what's getting all the attention Again, you know. it's, it's, it's not
5: compulsory and it's something they would probably do once or twice a year if, if they ever do it maybe you could see it happening on Stephen's night, nice New Year's Eve big nights like that but it's not going to happen every weekend thanks Michael uh, Michael O'Donnell Chair of the Cork Branch of the Vintners Federation 0818 96 96 96 on um, oh scams they keep coming in Catherine I got a call yesterday from people saying they were from AIR about my broadband. They wanted to check the broadband's speed and they redirected me to a very convincing looking site. i played along. I made up a pile of numbers and said, Oh, you've a very bad problem. Put me on to his supervisor. Eventually I said to the supervisor, This is a scam, isn't it? And she said, Oh, shut up. And ended the call. Thanks, Catherine. 0818969696.
4: Join the conversation! Call us now. 0818969696.
0: This is The Opinion Line
5: with PJ Coogan. Right, your last chance to tell me what this is. Identify the song and the artist. A group uh, 0833 96, 96 96 Now, if you're down around the Tremor Valley Park for a walk with the dogs or the children or wherever, you might have seen as you pass the Black Ash area there a new heritage sign, uh, tribute to the travelers of that area, the traveling community who've lived in that area for many, many years. It's a new project put together by the Cork Traveller Women's Network to celebrate traveller life, traveller music, traveller tradition, traveller storytelling, traveller crafts and there's a QR code involved and and all of that. And the new one is, was put up at it's a first and they hope to do more and down at Cobour Valley Park. That's a part of the city I'm joined by um Bridget Carmody from the Cork Traveller Women's Network, Bridget. That's a part of the city where there have been travellers living for as long as anybody can remember. Morning,
14: morning, Bridget. How are you? So the history of travellers, uh, the Black Ash hal- halting site. Um, there was always travellers passed in and around um, that area in the Black Ash Lane. In the eighties, then they would it would have been developed into um, a traveller halting site, and it would have been the Cock Corporation at the time. Um, and it would have been a 12, 12 bay halting site um, at that stage. Um, but that would have been like people would remember before that, they would remember the barrel top wagons, and there was always travellers in and around the Black Ash area. That's
5: right. I remember the halting site, and I remembered the wagons before the halting site. Yes. Why did travellers take to that place first, do you know?
14: Well, actually, th- this project was born out of another project that the Cork Traveller Women's Network would have done about four years ago, where we mapped the 20. There's 24 stopping places around Cork City that travellers would have used. Out of those 24 stopping places, there is now five overcrowded local authority sites. Yeah. So the Black Ash would have been just another area that people would have stopped off at. Some would have moved on but the O'Sullivans would have stayed
5: hmm.
14: they would have stayed there and they would have become a permanent residents of yeah. the site
5: There would be a number of families there over a very long period mm-hmm. of time I remember my, my wife worked in the travel lodge when it opened first mm-hmm. and she was familiar with some of the families from the from the halting site
14: Yes, I, my own grandfather would have come originally, my grandparents from there um, and would have been part of the community there um, and all my aunts and uncles would have then gone to school in the area, Tronc Cross and Balfean. Yeah,
5: there are people still living there, are there?
14: There is one family. There is still one family living there. Um, but the Halton site is gone. As I said, that's relocated. Um, families from the Halton site have been relocated into group housing scheme on the Airport Road, <clears throat> which is Hazelwood Grove now seven families' group housing scheme on his Grove. They would have been the original tenants of the Black Ash. I see.
5: Now this sign to commemorate the Traveller history there, how did that come about?
14: So the the project itself, it's a plaque and it's positioned directly across from the recycling centre on Tremor Valley Park. It was very important to us that that be where the plaque be placed because that was the land that Traveller men stood And they recycled well before recycling became popular. Traveller men in the black ash would have, you know, regularly, you know, collected scraps from the dump, cleaned it and sold it on. Um, The plaque itself um, has a QR code that will bring you to the Cock Traveller Women's Network's new website and the Black Ash Oral History Project where you hear stories from the families that live there on the Halton site um, and also more information about the Cork Traveler Women's Network and the work we do. Stories about what life was like living in the site. Uh, stories about the big oak tree that's in the middle of the Kingsdale Road roundabout. The children that played on that and grew up around it. And photographs of the daily life on the site. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's our hope for the project is you know, that our children will see positive images and information about their culture and their history, hear stories to be proud of the heritage I mean recently when you hear stories about you know, Senator Eileen Flynn recently where a taxi wouldn't even take her into yes. her home because it was a halt in that's very sad that Eileen has not been judged on the amazing work that she does not just for travellers but for
5: other groups as well I heard her speech in, in the Shannon, very powerful
14: Very powerful, but Eileen has been judged as being a member of the travelling community and that can be very damaging for our young people. So we need to do everything we can to highlight the positive aspects of our community. Um, And we're very aware that this is a very vibrant and popular show and I would like to make an appeal to people, our children listen to these shows and I would ask that any conversations that happen about this topic be about the importance of preserving our culture, our history and a positive conversation.
5: Your point is taken and welcome. Let me come back there, Bridget, to something you said a minute Mm. or two ago which resonated with me, that your community were the first recyclers, the 1st reusers? you were reusing stuff before it was even popular. Of course.
14: I mean, my grandfather moved from the Black Ash into um, a house in Ballyfeehan, where he did tin smitten. You know, everyone in the area brought their umbrellas to him to be repaired and mended, and was very well known in the community. Um, so yes, travellers were recycling well before recycling became popular.
5: Yeah, that's a, a point people might might forget. Is there a hope, Bridget, that this will extend to other historical sites around the city?
14: Yes, and um, fund independent. We would hope, as I said, there there is five local authority halting sites, and um, there is twenty-four stopping places that travellers use. So we have, you know, plenty places that we could go. There's so much history to be documented. You know, there's so much history about traveller community that needs to be documented, and we hope this project is just the start and we do hope to expand it in other areas.
5: If people want to take a look at the history project and, and learn more, mm-hmm. where can they go?
14: Well, they can, if, they're, if they're in Tramore Valley Park, there is a QR code on the sign that you can uh, scan that will take you to our website, or you can go directly to our website, And um, We also, just to mention, we also have a submission to Crock City Council to name the new bridge on the Southlink Road. Our suggestion for that is on the Toba, which means on the road in Kent, traveller language.
5: Oh, hold on. Yeah, this is the new bridge across now from from Plainfield across. Yes. Yeah. On tober, is that what yes. you want to call it?
14: On the Toba, which means tra- on the road
5: okay. in
14: Kent. Um, As traveller families would have parked their wagons at either side of that road, we thought that would be very fitting. And it also would be the first landmark named in Kent, which would be a very positive step in recognising travellers were a very big part of that area.
5: Bridget, can I ask you before I let you go, do people still speak Kent or is it gone?
14: We do. I mean... We wouldn't speak fluently, like, mm. uh, but it's part of our history. It's part of our culture, you know. Now, there is different parts of Ireland that have different meanings for words. Mm. Something in Cork wouldn't necessarily mean the same thing in Galway.
5: Irish is kind of like that. No way.
14: <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. But we also have an exhibition in the Cork Public Museum of a Barrel Top Wagon. Uh, first museum in the country to have a traveller laid permanent exhibition on traveller culture and that's called Torig on the Tober which means travelling on the road and so yes we just think the suggestion on the Tober on the road for the bridge would be excellent and you know because travellers and the Black Ash project you know was so important in that area
5: Bridget I wish you success with the work that you're doing
14: thank you thank you
5: Cheers. Uh, yeah, the Cork Traveller Women's Network. They're also looking for pictures of barrel top wagons, if you have any. Uh, you can get through their Facebook page, the Cork Traveller Women's Network. There's barrel top wagons all over. Them. Some of them are unfortunately in very bad state of repair now, but they are. They are out there. 0818 96 96 96. Right, let's find out what this is, shall we? Quiva is in Cantor. Hello Quiva, what do you think that is the song that's playing the wrong
11: way around? Morning. Hi, how are you? Hi, uh, uh, so it's Rhythm of the Night by Corona.
5: Will we see? We will. Do
11: okay.
5: are. Woo-hoo! An absolute stormer. <laughs>
7: oh yeah, a belter.
5: Right, well we're going to send you off to the INEC. Tickets for yourself and three friends. Go down there 27th of May to the 90s noughties Disco, enjoy
7: Great, thanks very much
5: Stay there with the lads, we we'll talk to you again, take care Thanks, uh, that's today's one We have another one tomorrow, another song Played backwards Finn says On Sheen and fast fashion Feckin' says Finn Don't close pennies should sure I'd be naked <laughs> And that wouldn't be very environmentally friendly at all Boom boom Programme edited by Imra Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon Supporting Cork Cancer Services May 25th to
4: 27th May 25th to 27th you me feel Every year we speak to people touched by cancer So if you've got a story to tell We'd love you to get in touch Simply email radiothon at 96fm.ie To find out more
5: The Giving for Living Radiothon Supporting Cork Cancer Services May 25th to 27th you
4: me, you me feel